Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Two hours to go. And we are looking at a cracking race at the head of the field. Oliver Jarvis for Meyer Shank Racing with Kerb Agajani knows how to win here. The summer of Mazda, of course, when he was on the top step of the podium in that cracking run for the Mazda prototypes. He is two and a half seconds ahead of Philippe Albuquerque and Renger van der Zander just another six seconds further back. The closest battle at the moment is the battle for the lead in GT Daytona. Going through the inner loop now, the bus stop at the end of the back straight and now into the outer loop. The long parabolic turn five banked down to the inside. Fantastic. Get the power on nice and early. And the black and red McLaren 720S of Inception Racing with Ollie Milroy behind the wheel is holding off. Brian Sellers in the red, white and blue. BMW M4 GT3 of Paul Millet Racing, the number one car. Battling for the lead in their category. Not that far, actually. Only about 20 seconds behind the lead in the pro category, which is Augusta Farfus again. He cycles to the front again. This is all about when pit stops are being taken because we haven't had one of those yellow things for a while. The pit stop strategies have played out. I know, I know, I said it. That battle for the lead in GTD just being passed by Earl Bamber, who is once again behind the wheel of the 0-2 Cadillac. A bit of cloud cover bubbling up again from the south and west. There is some, there is some uh, weather incoming. The question is, when will it get here? That's at this point, I'm very pleased I've got an all-wheel drive Porsche Panamera for the trip back down to JFK tonight. Under two hours to go. Felipe Fraga leads LMP3 for the Riley machine. That's the number 74 LMP2. Anders Fjord back for high class. Having a cracking battle with Sebastian Montoya in the number 81 Dragon Speed. And DPI... It's Ollie Jarvis ahead of Philippe Albuquerque in GT. Augusto Farfus leads for BMW in the number 25, Daniel Surra. Welcome back, Rishi Competizione and Carl Kirk. We're doing a great job for Lexus. And it's Ollie Milroy from Brian Sellers. They're almost nose to tail with Philip Ellis in the AMG number 57 of Winwood Racing. That's how it stands, that's your VP Racing. Fuels update with just under two hours to go. Now, Jeremy, you've got to ask yourself at this point what are the temperatures going to do? And now it's the hottest it'd be today 51 Celsius on the track, that's 124 degrees Fahrenheit. And how hard can these guys push, particularly the guys in the Koninka Minolta car, because they're clearly backed off their pace a little bit with some potential tyre wars. Uh, yeah, possibly so, certainly. And, uh, you know, the, the, there's still only a couple of seconds between those two. Albuquerque's closed in a little bit on Oliver Jarvis at this stage. But as you say, 
There's still a long, long way to go. There is the gap between the two, but it's not much at all, is it? But uh, the the, uh, the pendulum definitely swung during that last stint, right between the third and fourth hour. The number 10 car lost its advantage to the number 60. But uh, you know, the, the, the best of the Cadillacs remains in the number zero one car. And he's hanging right there as he's, he's yeah. six seconds back. He's actually lost a couple of seconds over the last couple of laps. We have to see whether that changes because during the last stint, uh, it, it, it was uh, the gap was around about six seconds between number 60 and the number zero one car. But number number the zero two Cadillac has certainly fallen a long, long way back in the fourth position now. It's more than half a minute behind the zero one. Two stints ago, it was about 20 seconds. So he's lost uh, you know, another 10 seconds over the last uh, 20 laps or so, half a second a lap. And meanwhile, uh, Mike Conway, uh, he's making no ground at all in that number 31 car, which remains another 20 seconds uh, behind the second of the Cadillac racing entries, the 02 car. Jeremy, Joe and I have just swapped ends on the pit lane, so now I'm down with the GTD Pro Runners, and I've noticed that almost all of them, as far as the eye can see, no, all of them, are standing up on the pit wall waiting for something to happen. Some of them with uh, drivers on the wall, all of them with tires and fuel nozzles. Is this a point in the race where they can make it home on one or maybe two more stops? Is that why I'm seeing this? Yeah, they can do a, they can, the GT, GTD cars we're talking about, right? We're talking about GTD cars, right? GTD Pro, yeah. yes. Yeah, they, they can do, so between 60 and 70 minutes on a tank of fuel is the, uh, is the, uh, is the thinking here so yeah from here uh, one more stop to the end and you know we saw most of them in you know just a little while ago i think I, i'm sure they think from there they can get to the end the car that's out of strategy here a little bit is the number 70 car which just making a pit stop now um so it's going to fall to the back of the pack whereas all the others have just recently made a stop so the question is, can all those guys, the rest of them that have made a stop, get to the end on just one more stop? Which I think they yes. can. Yeah, I agree. And therefore, the number 70 car, having, having pulled off that bit of a coup by getting up in second place at the three-hour mark, so he scored really good points there, I think that's probably not going to pay out towards the end of the race. We see the two Acuras battling once again for the lead of the race overall. Into turn five, and Ollie Jarvis has company, and that is Philippe Albuquerque. Philippe coming to the end of his stint. He's probably got another five laps, so he's got a much lighter car. Let's keep an eye on that. What Shea was asking that for is, when do you make your last pit stop? And so if you stop now, you only need one more stop for those cars. Yeah. So you're trying to maximise the time that uh, you are out there and that 70 car making that stuff will trick I think Jeremy you're spot on and so is she that will trigger the 70 inception car coming in will trigger a whole load of stops because no, you don't what my point is we've seen most of them just stop recently just recently yeah the only ones that haven't stopped recently is the 25 cars in now uh, and the I mean, there's a whole bunch of you know they're, they're all, they've all been making their pit stops over the last four or five laps but that's, is that too far out no, for those guys? I think you, should, you, you think uh, they can... We're less than two, two hours, hours ago, so no, 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 I think they should be fine. Oh, okay. I think between 60 and 70 minutes is okay. what they should be able to run, uh, all by the number 70 car, which has run for about three days. Yeah, well, that, that was extraordinary. In for the from Pro is the 
at number 25 BMW. Driver change there as well. Driver change, tire change, and lots of fuel being added. John Edwards finally be given some responsibility this weekend. Oh no, they've just dropped the car on the tire that came off of the left front, and now the driver's side door having trouble shutting once again. Now they're able to put the car back up on the air jacks, get the door closed properly, and then shut the door once again, all before the fuel was done. So that was crisis averted for BMW M Team RLL. Goodbye, John Edwards. Let's put to bed some of that data analysis on the number 70 Inception McLaren and that pit stops. Jordan Pepper, you were just explaining to me the reason for the short fuel earlier. Yeah, well, to be honest, we were quite lucky that the one Fulcos yellow fell just after Brennan finished his drive time. So we came in on a really good call. And unfortunately, as things happened, his cool suit caught the ignition switch and turned it to a position where we didn't know what was wrong. Couldn't get going. And then we had to think of something different to try to get the three-hour points. Obviously, we're leading the North um, the Endurance Cup coming into this weekend. So we short-fueled just enough to get us past that three-hour mark. And to be honest, the way the strategy and pit stops are falling, it didn't really affect us for the for the overall. So we're a little bit we're a little bit on the back foot for that. But to get five points at the midway mark when our nearest rivals got nothing is really important. And with the car just literally pitting as we were standing here, you you reckon one more pit stop and you'll take over? Yeah. So Oli has to get his drive time done. So he just finished one hour. He'll probably more than likely stay another hour, maybe a couple of cautions. I'm here on standby now, but as long as he goes over that hour and a half mark, then it's pretty much me to the end. So I'll just hang around here in the heat, a nice cold towel around my shoulders and wait to see what happens. But so far, so good. We don't have the pace against the, the BMWs and Astons and stuff. We're just struggling in a straight line compared to them. But uh, we're making a work on strategy, and this race is all about speed and strategy, not just one or the other. And it's not just about fuel windows and stretching fuel windows. It's about driver times, and it's all very complex. And I'm glad I'm standing here and not on your pit wall. Charles Clellan's your engineer, isn't he? He's got all the difficult decisions to make. Yeah, it's, well, I don't know if anyone really follows. I think we've been one of the best on strategy, and it's big credits to, to the guys on the pit wall, Chaz, Ian. Bass, um, everyone there who's behind the team, it's an incredible team, you know, so when we see that we don't have the pace, we look for another way to get to the front, and that's through strategy, and we've done really well in the endurance races, as well as in the sprint races, if you guys have been following, so it's cool, it's a cool championship, this is why I love him, so this is why I enjoy coming to America, it's door-to-door racing, as well as being one on track, but also can be one this side of the wall as well, so big shout-out to my team, two hours to all, just under two hours to go, let's see if we can make this happen and maybe the rain you never know what happens with that so the, the the rain gods could throw some other variable in it but i like this place i like driving in the wet so having fun out there nevertheless and let's see what we can do at the end well jeremy thor had the sure had the big thumbs up for the explanation in the middle of the race there from jordan pepper um, it's important to them to get those five points they got the five points jeremy will deal with yeah. the rest of it in the second half of the race yeah absolutely brilliant you know it, that's it was it could be critical because it's so there's so many cars there if you can get an extra two or, th- or three points because all the, as i said earlier on the, the the leader at each point beginning uh, at the end of the race and at the three hour mark gets five points five points only uh, second place gets four third place gets three everybody, everybody else gets two so if you could pull out two points on everybody else that's a that's a great move uh, and for that team you know it gets them right there in the in the mix now heading into you know the, the final portion of this race of course and then the uh, the the final race at, uh, at petit le mans so that car now holds a three-point edge over everybody else. So great strategy by the number 70 team. 
It's Jeremy Short alongside me, John Hindhoff, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Hello to Rob Chalmers, to Brian, who's at Red vs Art. And hello to Sacred Coffee Sport. Thank you for your support, for keeping us going. They support Matt Campbell as well, and Matthew Jamini and Faf Motorsport, of course. Have a look at their online store at sacredpod.com. Into the pit lane for Harter Racing, number 23, Shea Adam is down there. Driver change, Ross Gunn taking back over the controls of this Aston Martin, away from Alex Riveris out of the car. Sticker Michelin's, no scrub rubber being used at all by this team so far today. There is a ding on the left rear of this car, pushed in just ever so slightly, but the diffuser is still okay. Wonder how that came about, and pit board goes up, away goes Ross. Bad news if you are an Acura NSX fan. Despite their best efforts, Gradient Racing number 66 car is now an official retirement. Uh, had that big incident in the hour and a half practice on Friday, about an hour into it. Car rebuilt overnight, uh, on Saturday, excuse me. Car rebuilt overnight, ran this morning and ran very well. With, with Mario Farnbacker behind the wheel. It was the fastest GTD car at one time. In fact, I think it finished fastest. But some other gremlins have come to light. They had a misfire, changed the turbo, and now it is officially a retirement. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, see, here's you up at the front. Um, the, the gaps after the pit stops, let's say three laps after the pit stops, when everybody's right up back up to speed, was four seconds between first and second, then another six seconds back to the third place car. Now, there's a total of uh, 4.7 seconds between those three cars. Yeah, so uh, the second place car, number 10, is closed on number 60, and the 0-1, Renko van der Zander, is closing quite rapidly on those other two. Meanwhile, the fourth place car, Earl Bamba, the gap back to him from the number 0-1 is about the same, 31 seconds. Uh, we've got Albuquerque, obviously, coming in. Uh, in the next couple of laps so his position is, a, is slightly false at the moment uh, and then it will be Ollie Jarvis uh, in how long yeah he's, uh, he's in another eight laps 15 nine laps. laps yeah so it will be it should be Albuquerque who's uh, next into the pit lane in the number 10 car uh, and what weather on its way as well, we're hearing at the moment. Stage one weather warning. Uh, a storm blowing up in the southwest. So this could be mm. even more interesting in terms of what decisions people make. Uh, as you know, if you're a regular IMSA follower, the uh, regulations surround not necessarily what it's doing here, but what it's doing around us, particularly if there is electrical activity in the storm and uh, lightning strikes within a certain radius of the track means that everyone has to seek shelter and that means the race has to be suspended. We've seen that uh, in the past, most notably at Sebring uh, earlier in the year for the uh, WEC event. Yeah, right Right now here, the, uh, the, the local weather that I have here shows uh, thunderstorms possible around 3.45 p.m., so that's a little bit less than an hour from now we've got an hour and 45 minutes remaining in this race if we have a bit of rain okay if we have yeah, a thunderstorm not yeah. good no i do like a bit of just add water but uh thunderstorm means everything has to come to a halt here's the leader in the pit lane as we predicted philly albuquerque then 
already lost that second place because of the tightness of the top three that Jeremy was explaining. Renga van der Zander in Cadillac 0-1 has gone through. And this will be a, another crucial stop. An hour and 44 minutes. They've got this one and two more stops to the end uh, if they stay agreed all the way through. It's like a... Uh, trying to see if that's a slightly scrubbed set that's going on. Hard to say. Very efficient pit stop from the Cunningham and Alta Wayne Taylor Racing crew. Car is back on the floor. They're waiting for the VP Racing Fuel. They want every last drop of this. This car can do around about 40, 42 minutes. And there's an hour and 40 to 44 to go. So that's 104 minutes as it leaves the pits. So that's two. Two of those would be 88 minutes. And that would leave you around about 15, 20 minutes. Around about 20 minutes as a short fill at the end. That was the splash that I was talking about earlier on. Unless, of course, something happens to allow them somewhere around about halfway into a stint to be able to get back into the pit lane. And stage two weather has just been called. That's prepare for inclement weather. Penalty for tyre operation. Oh, fire in the pit lane. It is the second place LMP3 car. Joe Bradley is there. Leading. I, I'm, I'm staying as far away as I can possibly be. Um, it looked all like it was all going pretty fine. The, uh, the car came to a halt, and then there's some sort of conflagration. I'm not sure if it's brakes, John, that's caught uh, a hold, and uh, fire extinguishers now pretty much all over the car, so I think that might be okay. under the engine cover. I'll have a look when I get closer, or it, it, whether I do at all. It's the 30 car, Garrett Grist in the Junior 3 Racing, second place in the class. We have the leader in uh, at the moment as well. That's Anders Fjordbach for High Class Racing, which means that Sebastian Montoya has taken over the lead for Dragon Speed in the number 81. Racing Team Netherlands, Dylan Murray, has gone through in the second place. But that's always a scary moment, and all the teams around would pitch in and help there. There's a bit of a congratulatory slap from the guys. I think the fuel hose came out. The way they're looking at the fuel hose at the moment, I think that uh, didn't either didn't lock in or didn't shut off when it was meant to. They're looking at what's called the Buckeye there. And yeah. they are going to take off the engine cover. That's brave because you're adding oxygen to that. But I think they're fairly certain that it's OK. Uh, that, that, that's the car that leads the points in the LMP3 regular season championship. We've only had two rounds of that so far. But uh, that was a car that, that was leading coming into this weekend. And they've had a really good run. They finished second in each of the first two races of the season in LMP3 that count toward the season-long championship. Uh, Joe Bradley has confirmed my supposition it was a refueling issue that caught, caught fire and dealt with very quickly indeed by those around. Well done to everybody for that scary thing in a pit lane. So just on 100 minutes to go, Van der Zander has made his pit stop
Uh, excuse me. Um, the number 10 car, Philippe Albuquerque, now in that car. They've made their pit stop. They stopped before everybody else. And so they're going to be out for about 40 minutes. That'll take them to about an hour to go. Then from there, another 40 minutes, about 20 minutes to go. That's the calculation that we were doing earlier on in our heads, and it's still playing out. Oliver Jarvis, who leads the motor race at the moment by all of 3.2 seconds, he's completed 16 of what have been 26 or 27 lap runs for that car. Renger van der Zander will pit next of the leaders. He's on lap 20, as is the Cadillac Racing teammate of Earl Bamba. In fact, he'll go through to lap 21 when he comes across the line in a moment or two's time. And Mike Conway from Whelan Engineering, the 31 car in fifth position. He's due in in about three laps time. He's working lap 23 at the moment. There's Earl Bamba going through onto his 22nd lap. And let's go down to Shea Adam, who has some news on that Mike Conway, number 31. There is a new driver ready to take this car to the end of the race. Do you think it's Pippo Durrani? It's Olivier Plois. They're putting Plois into the end. And remember, Olivier won this race in 2019 in a Mazda, and he raced here in an Acura last year. I think he might be the best guy as far as car knowledge going up against the competition. Very interesting. Yeah. So Plois to take it to the end with two stops. So Mike Conway will do three more laps. That's about six let's call it seven minutes it's gonna be about an hour and a half yeah that's gonna be tight that is gonna be tight but I think it's doable for them if they can get it down to about an hour and a half that's nine minutes away two 45 minute stints I'm not sure they'll be able to go full on because they've only been doing 40 minutes in that car so they need a little bit of fuel save from Olivier Plat if he's going to get to the end with one more stop. Ollie Jarvis, he's going to do another 10 laps. So that's going to take him to, let's see, lapping in, 33s. So that's about another 15 minutes. An hour and 20. Interesting. It's going to be two 40-minute stints. Yeah, I, I think Ollie Jarvis can do it on two more stops from here. I think that's what they're looking to do. And that would be very, very impressive. It's a question of how short the stop is for the number 10 at the end. I, I don't think even with that, they're going to be close enough, if I'm honest. So this one... For me, Shaq's in the driving seat if it stays great. And where the yellows fly after that, let's see. Of course, that's me, and I've been up since 5 o'clock this morning, and I did that in my head. So that could be entirely, entirely spurious. No, that's about right. I, I, I concur with that. Um, and... Um yeah, the, the other classes, it's still a great fight going on in LMP2. We saw a pit stop for the number 20 car about three, four or five laps ago. The 29 car was in a couple of laps after that. The number 81 car, Seb Montoya, then uh, he'll be due a pit stop pretty soon in that 
Carlton is now leading the Dragon Speed car. And uh, meanwhile, in uh, LMP3, uh, Felipe Fraga has a, uh, the... He's got a whole lap, I think, on number 54 cars up to second place in the class. A pit stop here for number one. What was this? Ah. That, was, that was a little while ago. Yeah. The car came down early, and it looked to me as though it dropped onto Brian Sellers' right foot. And that will have been very painful indeed, yeah. He was Jeez. behind the wall, see that again. getting a little bit of attention. So we'll try and get down there and find out if he's going to do any more driving. He was helping the pit stop. And see that. just had his right foot underneath the sill. And it came down too early. He did manage to get his foot out, but uh, still in all. At least... Uh, at least it wasn't the full weight of the car. I mean, it was just that the gap between the sill and the floor was it was yeah. a bit less than than, than the, the depth of his of his uh, toes. They had it, to lift it, the wasn't car as if, it wasn't as if the wheel felt, you know, was a the wheel was off on the other side. Actually, yeah. they didn't get it back on. Uh, that might have helped him too. A lot of cars getting their final warning for track limits. As Shea Adam gives us news from the pit lane. Mike Conway is out of a race car, and it is not a Toyota. It is a Cadillac. The Whelan Engineering number thirty-one beautiful red machine out around the circuit. Well, right now it's in the pit box for four new Michelin tires. And as I mentioned, Pippo Durrani being installed for this final sequence, just waiting on fuel at this stage. Well, we've just seen the number 30 being brought in. That's a Junior 3 Racing Ligier. Uh, Garrett Grist, the driver, brought it in. And then, really, uh, circumstances prevailed there, Garrett, and a, refu Garrett, and a refueling issue and a fire. And now we've had to retire the car. That was really, really bad luck. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, we came in leading points. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the issue was there, but uh, yeah, yeah, we've had to retire. We had a couple issues all race long, to be honest, but we still were kind of holding our own, and I think looking good for a podium. So, yeah, not a good point today, but it happens. Yeah, I mean, you guys were doing so well. You were in second there when you brought the car in. It's, it's you know, no consolation, but bad luck to you guys. Yeah, I mean, we had broken jacks, so every pit stop was quite long. Um, I, we, we never had that happen before, so that's weird. Yeah, but yeah, no, no consolation. But we'll be back next weekend. Sure you will. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Joe Bradley. So Olivier Pla in the Whelan Engineering Racing Cadillac, and he has an hour and 35 minutes when he got in that car. Meantime, in GT Daytona, cracking battles, four wide across the line under our feet a moment or two ago. Uh, and the Faf Porsche with company from Lexus and AMG down into the outer loop at the moment with the Lexus trying to get up the inside. The plaid Porsche, this is the number nine car. And running at the moment in second place for Matthew Jaminet and it's Kyle Kirkwood yeah. in the number 14 and behind right behind them is Maro Engel fourth place at GT4 for WeatherTech Racing which means that Philip Ellis has pulled away from this battle because he that was a four car train only a couple of laps or so ago and all of a sudden now uh, Phil Ellis in that windward number 57 Mercedes he's pulled out to a couple of seconds over this uh, one two three car train yeah, and uh, the GT Pro leader is Risi Competizione, yeah, of they course. Yeah, got a good lead, too. Uh, and that is uh, the better part of half a minute uh, that uh, they've got 
uh, on the rest of the GT Pro runners. But this battle for second is enthralling between Matthew Jamini and the 9-5 Porsche. Coming to the end of the lap now, so if you're in the front straight grandstands, this is the three cars coming out of the final corner now. Matthew Jamini, Carl Kirkwood and Maro Engel in that order for Faf Motorsports Porsche, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus and the WeatherTech Racing, the white, blue and red AMG GT3. And they have been absolutely on it. Ah, the big mistake by Jaminé went miles off at turn number 10 and then had to check up. And that's what caused that four-wide moment, which was all a bit scary for the cars coming through. That looked like the high-class racing car coming through there as well with the racing team Nederland car. They're battling for position as well. They're third and fourth in LMP2 going okay. through that. And they're all off the track at various parts wow. so of that, that lap. So that's when Jaminé got ahead then of the number 14 car because he was behind it. Uh, the order was just a couple laps ago, 57, 14, 9 and 79. It shuffled around several times within a couple of corners there, John, didn't it? It certainly did. <laughs> uh, Multi-class racing at its best. Saw some uh, rather disturbing images a moment ago on replay here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre of Brian Sellers uh, looking like he got his foot caught under the number one BMW M4 at GT3. Joe Bradley is with Brian now. Brian, they say motor racing's dangerous. I'm not sure that's what they had in mind. That looks painful. Yeah, it uh, hurts a little bit. It's unfortunate. It's a uh, rookie move on my part, to be honest. It's <laughs> never happened to you before, I bet. Uh, no, it hasn't, but that's because you know better than to do something like have your foot under the car during a driver change practice. So, uh, it hurts. I got one more left, so. All right, it's my job now to take your mind off the pin. I know you've got a nice pack on there. So far, so good for the number one. How's it going as the leader comes in from, the overall leader, that is, comes in, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty good. The car feels good. This heat, uh, I think, is playing a little bit of havoc on everybody. Um, but I'm pretty happy so far. I mean, it uh, looks like the rain's coming. Uh, pretty quick, so we'll see. I think that'll change everything up quite a bit. I hope that doesn't keep you up too much tonight, mate. Ranger Van de Zanda, hot out of the 01 Cadillac. It's tough work out there with all this traffic and battling. I had to laugh because when you brought the car in, the crew looked at the right rear corner and went, hey, where'd that ding come from? It's elbows out out on the track, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I'm a, I had a tough time. I mean, um, I think we don't have the pace to uh, to really attack like without any uh, chaos, and luckily it's a lot of chaos. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can attack a little later on. But um, I gave it everything I had. I had zero safety car, you know, full yellow, uh, which made it very hard. This track, I don't know, man. I, it's so intense. It's the only track where I really come out and I'm completely dizzy and uh, worn out. So it was hard work, but I loved it. It's uh, it's such a cool event, such a cool track. And with these cars, it's the last time that we're going to go around this track so fast because these cars are fast. It's awesome. Well, and you did a great job out there. Your forced reaction was to come back over the wall and grab some French fries that are in this cruise pit. So you worked hard, and now you need to instantly replenish, right? Yeah, any salt I could see, I, I took it. So uh, it's uh, a bit of sugar and a bit of salt, and there we go again. But let's see what we do with strategy. It's uh, Seb in the car now. He's, uh, he's, he's very fast. So um, hopefully we can attack a little bit and... Uh, Let's see what comes at the end. There are some dark clouds coming out there. So uh, sometimes some gusts of wind in the car that you could really feel picking up. So that's uh, that's a big of an influence. But it's um, we'll see. Good luck. Thank you very much.
Temperature has dropped seven Celsius and on the track and uh, round about, uh, what, 10 Fahrenheit, a little, little more than that actually, 113 Fahrenheit and 45 Celsius, full course yellow. Full course yellow, the carbon car has gone in really hard. This is the Lamborghini, uh, and this is going to be a lengthy clear-up. Early stop for Ollie Jarvis, who got... Uh, now, did Jarvis get out of the car, or did they just refill it? Down at the Turn 7 area, it was the battling LMP. Two cars that drove the Roger Dubois-sponsored carbon Lamborghini into the wall at Turn 7. That was a, a knock-on effect. We saw exactly the same at Le Mans that took the Corvette out. It was the high-class car and the racing team Netherlands car, first, second and third in LMP2 together. And the unwitting incident was for the carbon machine. And that was Jeff Westfall minding his own business, staying out the way in the 39 car. And that's destroyed the front end of that Lamborghini. I can see Jeff moving around in the car on the outside of turn number seven, but that's going to take a little bit of clear up. Now, that is was that, really naughty. That was naughty by all of those P2 cars. Montoya yeah. was right in front of them. He had cleared, but then side by side, bit of side drafting and trying to elbow some room as they were going past the GT3 car. So two, hour, two hours and 37 uh, minutes, that uh, green flag um, of green flag racing since the previous full course caution. But that was a, a big shunt there. And that was, uh, that was really some irresponsible driving between both of those two. I, I'd like to have a look at that again and see if there's anybody who has more blame than the other. But they were leaning on each other and that 39 car, absolutely innocent, as John said. No doubt on that, Jeremy. The other interesting thing that had just happened there uh, was a stop. Ran about four, maybe five laps early for Ollie Jarvis and the car that uh, was leaving for Maya Shank Racing. Uh, what was the score down there, Shit? Well, let's ask the man with his name over the door, Mike Shank. It seemed like the stop was a little bit early this time around. What caused that? I'm just glad it was because the yellow came out right after that. Uh, we wanted to beat the 10 out and we had you know so if we do that we, you know we know we gotta you know be careful here at the end fuel wise but we, we didn't want to lose track position to them that's all it was so nothing wrong with the car tire life seems pretty good with you guys uh, yeah it's pretty good you know it's this pace and the quality of these all those are only seven cars everybody this is just cutthroat as I've ever been in and that includes IndyCar I mean this is really <laughs> really tough so and now you're good to go to the end with this yellow it helps you out make you there yeah, it should help us here. Uh, both guys, engineers, team, just doing a great job in the pit lane all day. And, uh, oh, boy, we'll see what's going on. He's got to dive back on heads, but that's very kind of Mike Schenk to take a few moments to talk to us. Robert, Robert McGinnis is a black and white, would you believe? Um, so I shouldn't really be talking to you. Uh, the 39 Carbon uh, Lamborghini, Robert, has just gone off in a most awful way, and I know... You're going to have to interrupt you there. We've got a red flag, a red flag for severe weather approaching. Red flag. So if you're here at the track, please take precautions and seek shelter. This is a red flag situation. And everyone, therefore, will come into the pit lane. That also means our pit reporters need to seek shelter as well. 
Uh, and uh, as soon as the officials are off the pit lane, we'll have to leave as well. So we have now come under a red flag for weather. That stop for Oli Jarvis, let's just go back to that for a moment. It was early. They were taking the opportunity, Jeremy, to get Oli in and out and not lose the lead to Philippe Albuquerque. And that is exactly what they have done. But had the crash already happened? No. Well, that's my point. They were, they were in that case, they were really lucky. Well, that's what Mike said in the interview. Yeah, he said, right. we were really, we, if, we'd done, if we hadn't done it, we would have had the red, the yellow, and therefore then the they, red. They'd run the, risk of a, they'd run the risk of a yellow. Correct. Yikes. So this is a minimum, a minimum of a 30-minute weather delay, uh, and then it will be reassessed. Uh, so we are off the track and all the cars will line up in the has the clock stopped it seems to have uh, no it's still running clock is still running this clock isn't so, uh, so if in fact we're not on the PA now we've already been taken off the PA because they are already doing the um, uh, they wanted the to make the weather announcements. Unfortunately, we don't now have any pictures uh, because for some reason, our feed is showing the severe uh, weather slate. So those of you uh, watching on the international feed, I'm not sure what you're seeing at the moment. If you're seeing the severe weather slate, then you're seeing the same as us. If you're seeing any pictures, uh, unfortunately, we aren't seeing those at the moment. And therefore, I can't tell you so we're going back to turning the clock back to Sebring WEC. Uh, I blame Joe Bradley for this. Uh, this that, was, that was your fault last time, Joe. Well, I, I think I've exited because I was just about to speak to a mag whose father used to play for Newcastle in the 80s alongside Gascoigne. Everybody in the US has no idea what we're talking about. Newcastle so United Rob, at Sunderland. Rob, Robert McGuinness, is, uh, his heritage is northeast of England and Brilliant. he's got black and white stripes on his helmet. So I expect you to give him as much grief as possible for the remainder of the IMSA season. Uh, yeah, he's not going to try get the drive in the Sunderland Porsche then, is he? Uh, for for uh, Porsche team Penske. So not much we can do about this at the moment, I'm afraid. Uh, the uh, There are still people wandering around in the pit lane, but uh, the protocol... It is that our pit lane reporters have to leave and seek shelter so we can't get any uh, interviews for you and we're not seeing any pictures at the moment. So not really sure what we do here, to be quite honest. Um, we've got a 30 minutes, three zero minutes delay. Uh, Jeremy, I'll let you take a quick drink and we'll, we'll round up what we've got here. The situation is that the two Acuras are still first and second uh, at uh, the red flag and that stopped by Oli Jarvis and the Meyer Shank racing team. They calculated they could get in and out and keep track position here yep. and that has absolutely paid off for them in spades. The yellow flag would have been bad enough for the Lamborghini crash, but the red flag would have really been an absolute nightmare for them. Um, yellow or red would have had the same effect because uh, the pits would have been closed, so they, they, were due, they, they would have taken the opportunity to come in uh, under a caution, but by doing so, they would have fallen behind all the cars that had already pitted, which was 
all of the other cars in DPI. So they would have gone from first to last. So uh, yeah, incredibly fortunate for them that they came in, they chose that lap to come in, which was just a lap after the Cadillac. So I'm sure they were covering off the Cadillacs there, uh, as well as number 10 car. Uh, uh, so great call by that team and you know, luck, lucky and good because uh, they, they, they made the call for the right reasons and it's paid off for them. Uh, a minimum of half an hour before we reassess. We'll take this opportunity with nothing going on to take you back a couple of weekends ago when the president of IMSA, John Doonan, was with us at Haggerty Radio Le Mans, and we sat him down to talk him about the to talk to him about the state of sports car racing internationally, and also try to get some information out of him about IMSA going forward for the rest of 22 and 2023. Well, I'm delighted to say that taking time out of his busy schedule here at Le Mans 2022 to visit us here at Haggerty Radio Le Mans on 91.2 FM, the president of IMSA, John Doonan. Welcome back to France. Welcome back to Haggerty Radio Le Mans. How are you? You look well. I'm feeling great, as always. It's uh, really good to be back here at Le Mans. Uh, you know, when, we, when I first came, uh, 2008, uh, we had a LMP2 car in the field. Uh, you and I knew each other from uh, over in the States and, and all the work you and your team have done there. And uh, now this is my 14th uh, time in a row to be here. And uh, it gets better and better every time. John, it's an exciting time for sports car racing. We're here at Le Mans. Uh, I do want to talk about Le Mans, but I've got to have you talk about IMSA and GTP. Earlier this week, BMW uh, showing their car, the, the M hybrid, uh, which was pretty funky, and then Cadillac showing their concept GTP hybrid, which it looks like it comes out of Gran Turismo. Man, this is a good time for you and me because it's a good time for sports car enthusiasts, and that's what we are. Yeah, if you string together the last week, uh, what has transpired, you know, Acura showed, uh, obviously in camouflage, uh, mm -hmm. what their GTP car is going to look like. As you pointed out, BMW. And then yesterday, um, you know, Rory Harvey and the entire Cadillac and, and, and GM racing uh, family unveils a stunning uh, GTP car. Um, it, I'm giggling because that's how it makes everyone feel. And uh, in, the, in the unveil, we were sitting in Corvette Racing's hospitality and everyone is giggling um, because it, it, it looks the part. Uh, we know they're going to sound the part. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, uh, these cars are the ultimate expression of an automaker. Yeah, absolutely. The the concept of GTP, uh, call it LMDH, call it DPI 2.0, because effectively, IMSA have done very little, if anything at all, from what was already going to be the next generation of DPI cars in terms of of the regulations. It gives the manufacturers an opportunity to express their personality and their character. Um, I know that was something that Scott Atherton and you, having now taken on that role, which seems like yesterday, but you, you're well into the job now, um, that was something that you were all very keen on. And the manufacturers have responded to that, John. Yeah, yeah we, we have a saying around the office, and it's, it really comes from, from Mr. France, uh, the market will speak. And, 
you know, we don't sit in Daytona and make decisions in a vacuum. We, we try to get a pulse on the industry, specifically uh, those who are current partners, and then, of course, welcoming others. Um, but you're right, DPI 2.0. And ironically, I was on the other side of the table yes. in those early meetings. Um, it, was, it was well on its way. And, of course, the relationship uh, with Pierre Fion, Terry Bouvet, the ACO board, uh, the entire team, Frederic now with WEC, uh, originally Gerard, um, it's so, it's solid. The relationship is solid. Um, you know, I obviously inherited a good relationship, and I would characterize it as great now. Um, and they saw um, and, and joined in on what uh, DPI 2.0 was going to be. And at one point, I think it really hit me, 16 manufacturers were around the table. Mm -hmm. And look at the numbers now of those who have committed. It's, uh, it's remarkable. <laughs> and we can add Lamborghini to that now as well, because they've done their deal with Ligier, which means all four of the current LMP2 chassis suppliers will be represented in GTP LMDH uh, come certainly 2024 by the time that Lamborghini comes in. And I, th I was saying to somebody yesterday, now we've seen some pretty interesting designs as we've spoken about, but if we know anything about Lamborghini, uh. what are they going to come up with, John? <laughs> I said, to, you, you read my mind. Yesterday I said to someone, you think this is good, wait till you see mm -hmm. what's, what else is, is coming along here, because you know uh, the styling cues of some of these brands that are committing uh, on the road car side are incredible, and then they're going to take it to the next level um, on the prototype uh, uh, design cues and styling. So super excited about where we're headed uh, for those who have committed, um, and then, of course, uh, more, more yet to come. Easy to look at this now and say, well, of course it was a good idea, and of course the manufacturers were going to jump in. But at that reveal, that announcement at Daytona, which it was, you know, just a couple of years ago, just before the big full course yellow, as Eve <laughs> always, always calls it. It seems even more prescient now than it was then. Uh, no question. Um, I said it a few times, um, what we're doing now is what the manufacturers have asked for, what uh, the, the tire partners have asked for, uh, you know, consistency, and ultimately what the fans uh, have asked for, I think, maybe not so vocally, but deserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, with, the, with the brands that have committed, um, with the teams they're aligned with, uh, we're in for an incredible Rolex 24. And of course, uh, fast forward a year from now mm -hmm. here at Le Mans, and uh, you're gonna have in both places the best of the best. Let's pick up a little bit of housekeeping with IMSA. Uh, we've got the Sealand's six hours of the Glen coming up. Another marquee race right off the back of, of Le Mans. A lot of people, including us, heading back there and, and yourself. That'll be a big weekend. Looming on the horizon is Canadian Time Motorsport Park. We've yep. not been there for a couple of years. You and the rest of IMSA have been absolutely clear that you wanted to get back to that great circuit and to the Canadian fans as quick as possible. The opportunity has presented itself. It seems that not all the teams will decide to go. Why is it important that that race happens? And that, I mean, in some ways, John, is that a stake in the, in the sand from IMSA to say, look, we have to do this now? Well, first, at Watkins Glen, uh, I think you probably ought to try to get a parking spot now because uh, <laughs> we're going to have 50 cars in the six hour. 
Uh, we're going to have over 40 in Pilot Challenge, and you combined in Carrera Cup and Super Trofeo and MX-5 Cup, there's going to be over 200 race cars at the Glen. Yes, and I'm chained to the box for all of that. I won't be moving. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but when it comes to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, uh, you're right. Uh, in fact, the last time I was there, uh, I was wearing a different shirt, and I was mm. standing in, in uh, the winter circle. But... Um, First of all, Miles Brandt, Ron Fellows, uh, Carlo Fadani, they have hung in there uh, when we couldn't race there for three years. Um, the momentum going into this race um, is, is monumental. They're going to have a huge crowd, a lot of pent-up energy. You know how passionate the Canadian fans are uh, for what we do, and especially what we do at, at Canadian Tire. So um, we're going. We have an agreement to go. Uh, they can hold a race. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the vaccine mandates uh, have, have uh, been a little bit of a challenge, but candidly, we're going to have a solid field in WeatherTech. We're going to have a solid field in, in Michelin Pilot, and we're going to put on an amazing show. I don't want to bring politics into this at all, but IMSA has has continued to race in the US over the last two years when, what, 40, 45%? Of, of the people who are in that paddock have had to come from out of out of the US? I mean, is that a f- fair point to make to the people who say, why are we going? There's no question. Uh, you know, when the world stopped, as you said, or we put out the full course yellow, um, we immediately started working with customs. You, know, you Eve, and, and the team, uh, obviously, we, we wanted to get you guys back uh, in the States as well. But you're right, over 40% of our paddock comes from outside the U.S., they found a way uh, to get in. Uh, we found a way to get them in, um, and we were able to keep the championship going in full in in, in full schedule. So um, we ought to go to Canada and do the same. And and kudos to the Canadian team, some of which relocated, by the way, to make sure they could still compete uh, in IMSA, moved south of the border to make sure that they could still. Uh, make their ob- obligations um the rest of the season comes pretty thick and fast after that it's tradition that you and i have a sit down and chat about the next season at road america and i'm looking forward to that come on john it's just me and you give us <laughs> give us a little give me a little hint what are we what are we going to see the, the watchword over the last few years for imza and the schedule has been date equity and building on that has been a real cornerstone yep. uh, any any likely surprises that we're going to see? Uh, there may be some. I like to, <laughs> I like to surprise you. I like to, to surprise our audience. Um, you're right. Uh, date and venue equity is critically important. Um, we're super proud of our NBC partnership, as you know. Um, you all and, and your team do an incredible job of, of telling our story around the world. Obviously, in the States, uh, we have NBC, we have mm-hmm. USA Network. So a lot of the schedule dates are driven by uh, television windows, uh, whether it's a network show or a cable show. Uh, so that plays into the dates. Uh, venues, you're right. Um, we're going to do the roar and the race back to back in January again. We're going to uh, go visit uh, Sebring and, and uh, bring uh, the Super Sebring back with WEC and, and those types of things. But there are a few uh, slight adjustments we're going to make. Uh, more to come on that. Uh, but we're, we're super excited about what 23 is going to look like with the new content on track. And then uh, besides my day job, um, I'm back in the race team business, as you ooh, might know. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, a year from now, uh, we're going to be bringing a special entry here to Lamont. Oh, I've got so many questions about that schedule that I know <laughs> I can't ask now. But thank you for sharing that, John. That's a good point. Let's fast forward uh, a year. Uh, the 
what is termed garage 56 here at uh, Le Mans, because for so long there were only 55 garages, one was laid out for uh, an innovative, innovative uh, car yeah. or something different. I've always said that Garage 56 isn't a place, it's a state of mind. And for Garage 56 in 2023, the 100th anniversary of the first running of Le Mans, we're going back in time because we're going back to the 1970s and bringing a cup car to race at Le Mans. Yeah, it, it, again, you, you see me giggling. This is the little boy on the other side of, <laughs> other side of the fence. Um, but this race, just like... Rolex 24, just like Sebring, has been a place where automotive technology has made a breakthrough. Mm. We know that from the rearview mirror to uh, hybrid systems, if you fast forward, um, to uh, tire testing. Mm -hmm. um, and what is going to happen here next year, as you point out, is uh, absolutely a little bit of a throwback. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also uh, a little bit of back to the future. Um, you know, Bill France Sr. in 1976 had the idea that NASCAR ought to be on a global stage. And he brought a few teams uh, over to compete. Um, you know, Herschel McGriff, who is, is going in the Hall of Fame now, uh, and, and a team uh, led by Junie Dunlevy came over and competed. Those two cars are actually here in Europe. Uh, we hope to have them here with us next year as we celebrate what's going to be incredible, uh, an incredible opportunity to put the next-gen NASCAR Cup car uh, through uh, probably the most punishing uh, test possible, uh, 24 hours um, with the winningest team in NASCAR history, Hendrick Motorsport, uh, the winningest manufacturer in NASCAR uh, history, Chevrolet, and, of course, NASCAR's tire partner, Goodyear, who, of course, is now working so hard with, with the LMP2 uh, program. Uh, all of those all-stars came together uh, to make this a reality. Next-gen NASCAR Cup girl hybrid technology in that car i mean it it, it kind of ties in with what the aco and imsa are doing another smile on the face of mr turner well we're gonna uh, much like the schedule that you want you and the the listeners want to know about we're gonna come out with the car's final specs uh, here um, we've been doing some uh, simulator testing um and you know the line at the door uh you and i have no chance uh, to be behind the, to be behind the wheel um it, you know, driver like Alex Bowman, current uh, driver, has been in the sim, uh, validating the, the tire grip. Uh, a a Lamar regular, Mike Rockefeller, has come and, and after validating the grip uh, with Alex Bowman, um, has, has put the car through its paces here. And then, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Jeff Gordon himself. Um, key part of the Hendrick family. He's been behind the wheel. And uh, Mr. Hendrick said a few weeks ago, he said, you know, John, I've got friends I don't, uh, didn't know I had. Got, everyone's calling me wanting to drive this thing. Yeah. And, and I bet that's not even the start of it, uh, to be honest. People will look at that, John, and say, okay, I, I understand it isn't, obviously it's a car that can't run in the categories that will be at Le Mans. So that's why it's outside of the competitive of categories. But why do this? And, and why, what is, what is the raison d'etre, to use the French phrase, of, of bringing that car here when it, it, it would never compete here in, in the current cast structure? Well, uh, it starts with a vision, and that's Jim France, uh, replicating uh, and, and honoring what happened in 1976 uh, by, by his father's uh, vision. Um, and then it's a credit to 
um, Steve Phelps, um, Steve O'Donnell, John Probst, Brandon Thomas, who've taken the NASCAR Cup Series and brought uh, what I would characterize as a modular car. And there's a, there's a great video that shows how this car comes together with obviously in a similar manner that a tub on a, on a mm. prototype. There's a, there's a safety cell around the driver, the front clip, the rear clip all come together. Uh, a manufacturer has their engine package and then, much like GTP, they have an opportunity to express a road-going brother or sister. And, you know, Ford does it with the Mustang, Chevrolet does it with the Camaro, and Toyota does it with the Camry. And so um, that this is a, an opportunity with this new car that actually runs and, and feels, based on driver feedback, like a GT car. Yeah. Um, Chase Briscoe, you know, won his first race uh, this season um, for Ford. And Mark Brushbrook and I were talking about it. And Chase says, this thing drives like an IMSA car. He's driven in the Michelin <laughs> Pilot Challenge yes. in, a, in a Mustang. So um, this is a really, really uh, special opportunity to put the car in front of a passionate group of fans here, mm -hmm. uh, in front of uh, the automakers that, that now see the opportunity that's in NASCAR. And you know, just yesterday I was reading some some clips on social media and some folks said, oh, you know, NASCAR's taking over and, uh, you know, but you know what? IMSA is part of the NASCAR family. Yeah. Um, an incredible uh, opportunity for us to uh, leverage a lot of great resources, broadcast, mm -hmm. which you, of course, um, voice uh, for us in, in so many uh, opportunities, um, the, the technology center. Uh, up in Concord. And mm. so there is so much collaboration. Um, you know, NASCAR has their schedule, IMSA has their schedule, but in the end, there's a ton of collaboration. I'm an endurance racing fan, but I'm a motorsport fan. If it's got wheels in the keep score, that's me. Two wheels, four wheels, on road, off road. You know, you know me, Joe. Petrol runs through my veins. And I, I look at particularly the longer NASCAR races, that's just a single driver endurance race. That, you know, that it is. And, and they get to make changes on the fly. And no better person than doing that in his, in his eight cup wins with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, who was walking the track here yeah. earlier this week. I saw him myself, legend of the sport as a crew chief, and working to, to get that car. Who was the king of the last... 25, 30 miles in those long 500 mile races. Knaus and Jamie Johnson, they were always there with the 48 car. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there between that. And, and I, I think it's going to be a fun forever, straight away. It is, and it's going to sound the part, I can tell you that. So uh, anyone that wants to uh, camp along the side of the road uh, during the 24 next year, uh, the ground's going to shake. Uh, the, tent, the tent flaps will be in the breeze uh, with the, when, the, when the big NASCAR V8 goes by. Uh, but you mentioned Chad, and uh, what an honor for me. I, I teased him yesterday. I said, honestly, I still can't believe I'm in conversations with you, know, you uh, uh, Chad Knaus, who who has written you know so many records oh. with with Jimmy, um, but he came here last year yes. in a little bit of yes. a, uh, a reconnaissance mission uh, in disguise, if you will, <laughs> and um, and then he said to me, you know, wow, you walk into these garages, and I'm not sure everyone in the states, certainly on the NASCAR side, realize what it takes to accomplish yeah. the 24 hours of Le Mans. And uh, so I think that's been great. This year, uh, he's got his game face on. Um, and he's brought other Hendrick uh, colleagues along. And we've brought IMSA colleagues along to help uh, navigate what is gonna be a proper entry. 
you know, a proper hospitality, a proper uh, pit experience for our, our guests and our partners. So um, it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm excited because in my new role, I don't have a horse in the race, right? Yeah. And just like you calling yeah. call the races, you're calling uh, what you see. Yeah. Uh, you don't have a favorite. You, you call it as you see it. Um, now, um, I'm back in the race team business with some incredible partners, uh, my colleagues at NASCAR, and uh, everybody in the Hendrick family, Chevrolet, of course, and, and Goodyear. You've got some pretty cool shirts to wear. You're president <laughs> of IMSA at the moment. That's a very cool shirt to wear. Before that, you had... Uh, Mazda Yost Racing at one stage, and now you go, are you going to? Is it going to be NASCAR Hendrick Racing? Is it going to be Chevrolet NASCAR Hendrick? That's a cool shirt, Mister D. <laughs> uh, it's funny you said that because, of course, uh, because of a lot of the meetings, I am in you know a, a suit coat here. But I was thinking about what what I would what I do next year is maybe underneath a, a team shirt, such yeah. that when the meetings end and I can go to the garage and and be part of the team, I'll just sort of pull off the uh, the sport coat and be a team member but you know Hendrick Motorsports as the winningest team was chosen to represent uh, NASCAR um, of course Mark Rushbrook from Ford David Wilson from Toyota they're engaged with this project to understand uh, the versatility of the car and there's a lot of road courses in fact NASCAR uh, is at Sonoma this weekend yes, um, and and so um, you know uh, everybody's aware of what's going on but it's about the sport you mentioned you're you're a racer um, it's this is about what's right for the sport and putting it on a global stage. A 10-year-old John Doonan would be very excited <laughs> about this. Is this going to be a one-off then for this NASCAR? Might we see it, this cup car, might we see it in IMSA later on? And obviously, you want to make the splash here, so it's not going to pop out and do an IMSA race earlier in the season as a bit of a test. It'll come here for test day. There'll be some private testing. But later on, is there the opportunity for a non-competition run maybe in one of the IMSA races as well? Because... Having the car here that ran at Le Mans uh, in, you know, the sailing six hours of the Glen or Petit Le Mans, that, you know, that would be pretty cool in a, in a, in the race rather than just driving some laps. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's funny you bring that up because we've talked about that. And, and frankly, what Garage 56 stands for, um, I think over time, and I had the opportunity previously to do some things with alternative fuels mm. that were unique. And obviously we... Uh, we did a road car diesel engine mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So we've done a lot of that organically. But what Garage 56 stands for is absolutely that that opportunity for innovation. Uh, we've done it organically on the IMSA side, and you never know. We, we've talked about it. Um, so maybe like the schedule and maybe like the specs of the car, we'll have to come back around to that one sometime. Right. Okay, that's fine. I've got a list now that I'm <laughs> going to keep coming back to you with every time I, I speak to you. Uh, Let's finish off with talking about this phenomenal collaboration that's brought together the, the regulations, effectively, for the top class here at Le Mans in IMSA, which means the biggest sports car racers in the world have a, a continuity and have this, this, uh, con, uh, this basic set of regulations that means you can run two different classes of cars within the same class and the BOP will work things out. We haven't seen yet, because we haven't seen any of the GTPs racing, that working. However, we've got the opportunity for some phenomenal battles on both sides of the sports car coin here. Mm. Um, what's the situation now with IMSA with bringing in people like 
Peugeot, who we'll see here next year, they've clearly got, as part of the Stellantis group, they've got some American brands like Chrysler and Dodge, which it would be, I was talking to a fan yesterday who used to work for Chrysler, who says, I'd love to see the Pentastar back. It's not the Pentastar anymore, but yeah. you and I know that. Uh, Chrysler, Dodge, the, the opportunity for Toyota with Lexus, maybe, uh, and all of the other brands that are coming in, and Ferrari. What's, what, is the, what is the situation there, and are there any talks ongoing for either one-off entries, and how would they be seen, John, by IMSA at the Blue Riband events, or even something more series-long based as far as these hypercars are concerned? Yeah, you know, uh, convergence in general um, starts with the technical teams at both ACO and IMSA. Uh, so massive credit to Simon Hodgson and Matt Kurdock from from our team at IMSA uh, and Terry Bouvet uh, here at the ACO. Without those technical minds and their leadership, we wouldn't have gotten to convergence. You know, Pierre Fion, Richard Meal, obviously representing the Endurance Commission at the FIA and myself, we're the, we're the lucky ones that get to sit with you and, and do the interviews and, and talk about convergence. But in the trenches um, have been Matt, Simon, and Terry. Um, they also, frankly, um, have brought us to a place uh, with the OEMs, with the tire partners, with fuel partners, um, and of course, on the LMDH technical regulation side, the hybrid powertrain partners. Um, to bring all this together um, such that we can put a stake in the ground and say we have convergence. Um, everybody's got to go to the wind tunnel. Everybody's got to go to the track and, and show demonstrated performance. But we would love to, um, with validation of those elements, welcome uh, the Stellantis group, as you said, um, to the Rolex 24 or to the 12 hours of Sebring. Um, we would love to see uh, the, the Gazoo Racing Toyotas come and compete with us. Um, we would love to see, uh, as you said, incredible fights. Uh, these auto manufacturers have used this platform of endurance sports car racing uh, to tell their brand story. And uh, as I said many times, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the fans have come. Your listeners from, from Radio Lamar and, and Radio Show Limited have come to see the best drivers, mm. the best teams in the best race cars. And that's what Convergence is all about. I'm going to ask you a question and feel free to say I'm not really going to comment about that at the moment. What about Glickenhaus? Glickenhaus is the American hypercar manufacturer and they compete with honor with the American flag. Um, can they? Could they? Would they be welcomed into IMSA? So at the moment, and for years prior to my arrival, our sporting regulations are based um, on uh, a definition of an auto manufacturer being a uh, 2,500 unit road car volume manufacturer. Um, in the end, um, we also <laughs> um, haven't written the regulations for 2023 as of yet uh, for uh, the sporting side. We haven't opened up the entry process, um, but based on current regulations, uh, it's a 2,500 unit 
volume. Much That's like, for anybody. Exactly. This is not a specific regulation for current LMH manufacturers, Glickenhaus, or anybody else. No, sir. In fact, uh, I think the FIA, when it comes to being a recognized GT3 manufacturer, there are some sporting regulations in there that, that mandate a, a road car volume. So um, more to come on that. Uh, I guess add that to your list um, um, relative to um, you know the schedule and, and some of the other items we talked about, but uh, you know we're here to see. Uh, hard to believe the 99th uh, actual running, right? We're going to have a centenary next year, and yeah. uh, it's going to be incredible. What are you looking forward to most this weekend? Uh, sitting here talking to me is you know part of what you've got to do, but you are a race fan at heart. Will you get to see any of the race? And I mean, obviously you get to do something that I never do because I'm here. You get to stand on the grid just beforehand, <laughs> which I'm tremendously envious about. And 10-year-old John Doonan would be also good. What, really? I can stand on the grid at Le Mans? <laughs> but, but what are you looking forward to most this weekend, John? Well, um, I'm not sure about you and, and your team, but uh, after, after night practice last night, I left uh, for, after some meetings around uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock this morning. So I, I did get uh, the opportunity to go out uh, on the circuit last night and stand on the fence uh, like, like a little boy, which was, which was awesome. Uh, we've had a great opportunity to see a lot of our manufacturer partners, um, a lot of our teams and drivers. You know, After Detroit uh, and the Belle Isle event, as you know, uh, there was a, a plane load of, of drivers and team members that, that had to come over uh, to come over and execute. So um, if I don't have a horse in the race at the IMSA events, I certainly uh, cheer for uh, our drivers, um, which there's at least a dozen uh, that are competing. That are 19 full-timers here. Yeah. Um, and, and probably about nearly three times that who've competed in IMSA. 100%. In fact, 69% of the drivers in the entry list have at least one IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship start. So that's incredible. Um, I also love seeing our partners at Michelin um, mm. and their uh, massive, um, you can call it a little city, a village that they've set up uh, to, to service all the teams. I love to see them um, compete here uh, and cheer them on as well. Uh, obviously, uh, Claremont is uh, the place where yeah. they produce the tires, uh, so it's a special moment. I get to see Scott Clark, uh, a tremendous partner from Michelin, uh, here every year, and, and hopefully he'll come join us in the States. But uh, love seeing our, our, our teams and drivers compete. Obviously, Corvette Racing, uh, Hyperpole last night. Uh, so super, super pleased for them. Nick Tandy's first pole here, believe it or not. I no, couldn't believe really. that. I had to look that one up. John, I know how busy you are. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, we'll see and sit down with you for a cup of tea or something at the sale in six hours of the Glen, which will follow rather too quickly uh, after Le Mans. And you can hear all of that, of course, in every session of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the support uh, series at the weekend and all those IMSA developmental series over on our sister station, uh, IMSA Radio. And we've got most of that in sound and vision as well. President of IMSA, John Doonan at Le Mans. A real pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, all the best to your listeners, and, and thanks for tuning in uh, around the world, whether it's uh, the Le Mans 24 or uh, all of the IMSA content that we're able to provide. Well, that was John Doonan talking to us at Haggerty Radio Le Mans a couple of weekends ago. We are in a severe weather hold, red flag here at Watkins Glen International. I'm making sure I'm not touching anything metal uh, in our... Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Jeremy Shaw has uh, braved 
the wind and the weather on top of the grandstand here uh, with me. It is clearing up, Jeremy, and it's uh, it's it's brighter. There's far less wind, and we've had a little bit of rain, but nothing too bad. And it is brightening up from the direction uh, of the, the the bad weather was coming in from. I better turn your mic up. Sorry. Yeah. Go well, ahead. we that I love the positive thinking. I mean, where we're looking is not really where it's coming from. That's that's south. It's coming from the west, which is kind of behind us through a through a, a solid wall. So we can't really see that perhaps. But yeah, look, I, I love the fact that it, uh, I love the optimism, and I hope that's the case because at least yeah, the track is is certainly not in bad condition. It's it's probably it's it's certainly a bit uh, damp and slippery. But uh, uh, if the as soon as that lightning goes away. And then um, and there's a, there's a window where in which it has gone away for for was it 20 minutes I think isn't it then uh, you know maybe we can get get going again there's there's still what uh, 48 minutes on the clock clock is still running because it is a time certain race uh, hashtag uh, Mitchell and PRT Mitchell and Post Race Tech at IMSA Radio um, there's another update coming just after four o'clock local time. Uh, I'll remind you, if you are just joining us, we're on a weather hold, severe weather warning, lightning in the area. And uh, the reason that we have to stop for that is there have been fatalities at racetracks when lightning has been in the area. And that it's the top and bottom symbol of it. It's exactly what happened at Sebring for the WEC. It wasn't raining, but it was the lightning in the area. Also, you have to stand down. The support crew, the... Uh, flag marshals etc etc uh, for their own safety as well as our camera operators and everybody else who's working here the pit lane is pretty much empty at the moment everybody has uh, sought shelter elsewhere that's the situation at the moment ollie jarvis had just made a pit stop and stayed in the lead for maya shank racing with curb agajanian for the acura dpi uh, of course, we put the safety car out originally for the Lamborghini that was shunted off by the two LMP2 cars, the 39 Carbon uh, Autosport uh, car, uh, and that had bunched the field back up just before the severe weather warning went in to place. So leaders in class, Juan Pablo Montoya and LMP2. LMP1 is Ollie Jarvis, so that is... Uh, uh, Dragon Speed, sorry, in LMP2 with one at the Marine. Doesn't have to restart the race. Maya Shank uh, in DPI. LMP3, Riley Motorsports. GTD Pro is Risi Competizione on their return to the series. And Winwood Racing in GTD. That's how it stands at the moment. There's 47 minutes left on the clock with an update coming in about 10 minutes. So what we'll do now, we're not going anywhere. We're still in the Haggerty Global Broadcast booth. If anything happens, we'll break into whatever we're playing out. So stay tuned to us, whether you're on IMSA Radio or IMSA TV. Uh, what we'll do now is we'll take you back to a couple of interviews that we picked up on Friday. A big, momentous announcement from Porsche Motorsport and Porsche Motorsport North America. Uh, Porsche Team Penske back with a GTP effort in IMSA for next year and a WEC effort as well. Two of the drivers who will be racing here in IMSA in GTP here this weekend. Uh, Cher Adam and Joe Bradley spoke to them. We'll hear Joe with uh, Matthew Jamini in a moment. But first, here's Cher Adam with Matty Campbell. Big news coming out today from the Porsche camp about the future of Porsche prototype racing. Matt Campbell. 
factory driver in the top class. How good does it feel to finally acknowledge that? Yeah, lots of uh, relief, you know, very honoured and very uh, happy to be able to move up. Um, you know, it's been the dream of mine to be able to reach the top class in prototype racing, especially with Porsche. And now for them to come back in LMBH and be a part of that program with Penske is a, a surreal feeling and, uh, yeah, something I've dreamed about for many, many years and ever since I joined Porsche, you know, now sort of reaching the top of the Porsche pyramid, which was always the goal, and uh, now to finally achieve that is, is quite surreal. So very, very happy, very excited for next year, for sure a big challenge, but uh, ready for it and... Uh, eager to get in, involved. How long has this been in the works, you stepping into this program? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously Porsche announced, I think it was in, what was that, late 2020, uh, that they were going with LMDH. And ever since then, you know, I was always interested and very uh, eager to be involved and, and trying to speak to people and get things started. Was it you calling them or was it them calling you? I mean, a bit of both, to be honest, okay. which was which was nice. Uh, but obviously everything started to really ramp up with discussions, I would say, around the middle of last year. So quite a long time ago already. And then uh, everything's been finalised for, for quite some time now. So it's been hard to be able to keep it a secret all this time. But now, you know, obviously after today with the announcement, a lot of relief to be able to announce and, and get the news out uh, and, and prepare next year. So uh, still a lot of work to do. Obviously still six months away from, from the first race, but uh, I'm sure it will come around very quick. Have you driven the car? I have driven the car a couple of times now. Uh, obviously a lot different to what I'm used to coming from the GT, um, but nevertheless feeling very comfortable already uh, after not so much time in the car. Uh, and, you know, I'll still be able to do lots of miles uh, before next year as well. So still lots to learn for sure, especially on electronics and system sides. It's quite, quite advanced to uh, what I'm used to coming from GT. But, uh, yeah, just uh, quite surreal to be a part of the program and, and see it all happening and, and starting to really unfold now, especially in the last month or two with lots happening behind the scenes. So uh, it'll only continue ramping up in, in the same direction. What's been the biggest surprise for you in driving a prototype uh, as advanced as the GTP car is? Um, good question. I mean, I think the, the good thing is, even though obviously the systems are quite complex and, and advanced from, from what we're used to, um, a lot of the things are carrying across from the RSI, which is actually quite a nice, nice thing to have. Obviously, we have a lot more systems, but the general basics and, and the way we do things in the car are carrying across quite, quite well and very similar. So that has made the adaption of the ergonomics and, and the systems in the car a lot easier to be able to get used to. Um, but for sure, you know, I still need to get used to the car and, and how it works because, you know, I've spent my whole year, or whole career so far in GTs and now to be in a prototype, it's a completely different beast, especially with this car and the systems that are involved. So uh, still a lot to learn, but, you know, so far I'm feeling comfortable in the car already and now uh, I suppose the real work begins and, and learning how to get most performance out of the car. Physically, has it changed the way that you train needing to drive this car because GT cars, prototypes, completely different G-forces? Yeah, very much so. I mean, definitely feel it the first time I drove it. Um, you know, for sure I have a lot of work to do, but in saying that as well, I think we're very fortunate and lucky with the mileage that we're able to spend in the car with endurance testing and things like this. We'll be able to adapt and, and get used to it pretty quickly as well and, and, you know, being comfortable in the car and trying to be relaxed as possible is a big thing. So uh, still got lots of time to be able to prepare for next year and, and get ready. But, uh, yeah, early days and, yeah, let's see how things develop. You've got a different shirt on for now, but ultimately this weekend you're back with FAF. That is your championship aspiration for this year is GTD Pro. But how much focus are you paying to this new program in between times? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's quite a unique situation with the announcement happening on a race weekend for, for me and my 
me and Mathieu, um, you know, obviously after today and after the media commitments are over, it's full focus back to, to FAF and, and our championship campaign because uh, this is our, our biggest focus for the year. It's quite a different program to what me and Mathieu have had in the past couple of years with, you know, one main championship and, and our ultimate goal is for the, for the championship. You know, me and Mathieu want it, FAF want it. Uh, so after today's over, it's back to business as usual. But uh, obviously soaking it all up and, and a lot of relief, um, you know, in the last sort of hour or so after the announcement. So it's been really nice to get off the chest, enjoy the next couple of hours, but then uh, it's back to business as usual. Yeah, but how much of this year now is spent learning the tracks, perfecting being able to drive at these circuits that the two of you, as a, a Matthew duo, have split over the last year racing in the U.S.? Yeah, obviously, like the last year or so has been uh, definitely... You know, getting the experience in the US and, and ticking a lot of boxes with tracks and, and everything like that. So, uh, you know, I think I'm quite fortunate I've been able to tick a lot of boxes in the last year or two. Uh, and even for the remainder of the year, you know, we've been to all the tracks uh, and uh, quite comfortable there as well. So makes the, the step next year um, or, you know, in the future years, if, if we do do the IMSA championship, a lot easier uh, because we already know the tracks, we know the championship. We just have to get used to the car on these tracks and, and circuits. So uh, it's one less thing to think about. All right, last question. Uh, thinking about the calendar going forward, having driven this car, having experienced it now, Le Mans side, what is the one race that it could be here or in the WEC that you've got circled on your calendar because you can't wait to drive the new car at that track? Um, oh, good question. I mean, I think there's a couple uh, that it would suit really well. Um, but for me, I think it would be really enjoyable somewhere like Road America. You know, fast, um, you know, technical track, really enjoyable track, you know, no margin for error. Uh, so I think somewhere like that is a good combination for the car for sure. You know, with the regen, the hybrid system, everything like that. And, uh, you know, one thing I can say is the car is very quick in a straight line. So <laughs> I think even around a track like that, uh, we'll be uh, having quite a lot of top speed. Can't wait to see it. Congrats, Matt. Very well deserved. Yeah, thank you so much. Matthew, fantastic announcement. I really love the colour but that's yeah. the, because it's the colour of my football team. That's <laughs> another thing. Uh, what's your first impressions? I mean, uh, amazed. I mean, when I, when I look at it in the end, I'm like a little kid, little child, uh, having stars in the eyes, uh, looking at the car and thinking that finally now it's official and being part of the team. So uh, loving the colours. Uh, I think the car is, is looking amazing. It's looking fast. So... Uh, and personally, yeah, it's, it's more than a dream come true to be part of such a, such a project. So, yeah, Have you no, word, no, no words. It's just like yeah. astonishing, you know. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, have, you, have you driven the car yet? Yes, I have driven the car. Uh, I've, I've, I've took part in a couple of uh, rollout sessions and uh, a test in, in Spain. Um, so, uh, yeah, even more excited because uh, I experienced the car uh, it was great, uh, loved it, uh, so yeah, it, it just makes it more exciting uh, and in the end it just makes us look forward to next year because we already want to be uh, next season and, and, and race. <laughs> yeah. and, and you personally transitioning from GT to prototypes, I would imagine that's where your sights have been set for a long time now. Yes, exactly. I mean, when uh, I dreamed and, and joined Porsche as a junior driver back at the end of 2015, uh, the goal was always, always been to be at the top of the pyramid uh, that Porsche has in place for the for the young drivers. I joined as a junior, came from from cop cars, then went to GT, uh, had some races in the factory racing GT, and then now making the step to prototype racing, top class endurance racing. So, I mean, 
uh, I think that it doesn't get much more much mm. more better in the world, you know, to race. And especially now with what's coming with this new era of prototype with all these manufacturers and best drivers in the world. Uh, I think we can look in the eyes of F1 or any any other class of, of racing in the world and say I think we we also part of the of the top show and to be part of this yes as I say it's a dream come true and I just can say thank you to 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 Penske and Porsche to for the trust they place in me for this program um, because yeah I don't come with a background of, of single seat or anything I never drove prototype before so it's a huge huge trust that they place into me. And uh, I can just be thankful for that and, uh, and now work hard to, to perform. And also, being, you've been a Porsche driver for some time. You understand the pressure, the responsibility you have for the heritage. The car's being named the 963. I think that is yeah. fantastic. But also the, the colour, the livery that the, the, on the, on the uh, launch, that's harking back to the early 1970s in the 917, the 917 and the Salzburg car. You, you realise that, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, as you say, it really looks like 917. I mean, the colours really really make us think and the name obviously uh, 963 is uh, it's just a legacy of a long history of Porsche and endurance racing so for sure it puts a lot of pressure on I guess on the team uh, not only on the drivers but everyone uh, because we also know when Porsche is going to to do something and to a program is to win so uh, yeah uh, at the moment for sure we have a lot of excitement uh, of all this announcement but we have to yeah be focused and, and for sure to, to race these colors and race this name with this brand and actually I think teaming, teaming up with Penske just put it even more special yeah. so um, yeah will be a lot of pressure but I think everybody's ready for the, for the challenge yeah. I can see you're excited what's the, what's the program exactly what's the test program ahead uh, I actually don't really know in details uh, the test program, but obviously yeah, the car will still run in Europe and uh, in US uh, for a test program till the end of the year, and then uh, then we start racing next year. At the moment, uh, uh, that's yeah the only thing I, I pretty much know, but I don't know in details the schedule or or what I'm planning to do as well as a, as a driver. Uh, so yeah, I just wait for the call and wherever they tell me to go and drive, I'll be ready and and make sure. I do the job. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks for your time. Everyone's so excited. <laughs> Joe Bradley there talking to Mathieu Jamini for uh, us on Friday at the launch, the US launch of the GTP. The car was revealed down, the 963 was revealed down at Goodwood. Uh, it has been testing. It's in uh, red and white with a bit of black livery with stripes on the car. It reminds me of the Salzburg car, the 1970 Le Mans winner, the number 23. Uh, very evocative. Uh, it will be uh, Porsche Team Penske, Porsche Penske team, actually, to get it right. He'll be running the works cars, two in the uh, US in GTP and two in, at, uh, uh, two in the WEC in the LMDH category as part of the LMH uh, class that they'll be running against the, the hypercars of course. JDC Miller Motorsports uh, with the customer version over here Jeremy and Jota uh, for, with the customer car uh, for the WEC with the potential for two more cars, customer cars in 2024 is what uh, Volker Holtzmeier was telling us earlier on. First of all your thoughts about Penske coming back with Porsche and JDC being part of that with a customer racing car as well. Great that Penske is going to be back and that Porsche is going to be back with the GTDs. 
lots of lots of history there. Lots of uh, just. And, and good vibes all the way around, really. Uh, tremendous opportunity for JDC Miller Motorsports. They've, they've worked really hard to establish their credentials over the last, well, lot of years. I mean, I remember John when he was racing himself in open-wheel cars, um, you know, way back in whenever it was. And, uh, you know, he's, whatever he's run cars in, he runs them successfully and professionally and properly. And uh, they, they might not have the best of uh, budgets all the time, but they all, they're always competitive, always, always knocking on the door. What we don't know is whether Mustang Sampling will go across to that programme. That, that sponsorship, that partnership has moved around a little bit between, between teams. Um, we've seen the colours on, a, uh, on cars that look the same, but have been, as I say, run by different squads. John's operation is pretty good. I, I heard a rumour that Peugeot were, were knocking on his door as well and at least offering an, an opportunity um, if they could rebrand the cars to, to have a couple of, of LMHs. Well, but, but, you know, I mean, like I say, he, he has earned it, hasn't he? Because you know, his cars are always, uh, they're always beautifully presented. Uh, the, the team is, is, is run very professionally given that. You know, they don't have the biggest of budgets out there. They, you know, they don't, they're not on the same scale as as a Chip Ganassi Racing or or uh, even Action Ex- well even Action Express probably. So mm. um, you know they uh, they do they do a really good job with what they have. They've they've uh, that they, you know they're actually lead this this coming into this weekend uh, that that squad is leading the Michelin Endurance Cup. Yeah. Um, so you know they are they are very very capable, and I think it's. You know, it's uh, it's very prescient of Porsche, Porsche to realise that and to give them this opportunity because, you know, you know there's a, there's a lot of interest in Porsche coming back. So there's all sorts of people who want to get involved with that. And um, I'm, I'm delighted that it's JDC Miller Motorsports. Clock is on a 35-minute hold here now. Well, there's so a strike over there. we will have a 35-minute race. Uh, so... Uh, 10 more minutes is what we are hearing. Uh, So we'll stay on the air here from the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. And uh, Jeremy Shaw and John Hindorf, Shea Adam and Joe Bradley are uh, being told that they can... uh, they will be able to leave their shelters shortly. We have got uh, crew members on the pit lane now and the cars have been uncovered. So that is the word from IMSA at the moment. So we should be able to get something from our pit reporters shortly. 35 minutes on the clock at the moment. Well, I'll tell you now, Ollie, Ollie Jarvis can go 35 minutes on the fuel he's got in the tank. Um, and probably another couple of cars can as well. I'm not <laughs> sure that the 10 car no. can do 35 minutes. So they will have to splash still have to splash it the the end of uh, the the race we'll run down the the uh, the 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 uh, timing scoring for you in just a moment i'm going to take a few michelin prt questions it, it's not post race tech it's kind of pre post race tech uh, <laughs> at the moment um uh, ian mccarthy tweeted uh, using the hashtag michelin prt uh, difficult for lmp drivers but shouldn't the absolute priority in a battle to be not to end a GT team's race over gaining or defending a position. No penalty is going to get the Lamborghini back into the race. Um, It's a fair point that Ian makes. We saw it at uh, Le Mans uh, ending Alexander Sims' race for for Corvette with uh, a little bit of over-exuberant driving. And the same sort of thing today with the top three in LMP2 um, 
battling the it was the dragon speed leading uh, then it was high class racing and uh, the racing for netherlands cars all together going past that car on the run from from six down to seven uh, i'm pretty certain from what we've seen that the dragon speed car had cleared it it was the other two who were getting a bit feisty and basically barged him off the track yeah yeah it was he was sort of it was sort of the old uh, the cannon it was that thing. snooker with, kind with, of billiards yeah. cannon yes absolutely yeah the the, the 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 swinging balls thing you know with five balls in a row swing one down and it's the one oh, on the other end that goes off yeah absolutely. off the road that's what uh, it was pinballs you know that's what uh, poor uh, West, Jeff Westfall was there, absolutely, totally, completely innocent victim. He was right over, you know, there was, there was a half a car width between himself and the two prototypes yeah, that right were... on the white I mean, line not, on not, the right not a hugely wide, wide track no. down there. There is room for three cars, and there might be room for four, but uh, the problem was that the, the car on the left, uh, completely on the left, uh, and the car in the middle were banging, banging doors, and then there was one more bang to the right from the car on the left, which hit the car in the middle, which then hit Westfall and just sent him off uh, like a pinball into the barrier. So, yeah, really irresponsible driving. And you know, who, who's going to fit the, co- the you know the fit the bill for that? Because who do you blame was, on that? Which of the drivers or both of to them? To be honest, I, I I need to see it again. Yeah, uh, both of them for, to some degree, but um, it, the guy on the outside, the, the last move that caused the that caused the problem mm. was the guy on the outside hitting the guy in the middle. And honestly, so much happened during this race. I can't personally remember which one was which, um, and, and because I can't remember, I'm not going to talk. Indeed, you know, not going to mention that. But but the, the, that's it was a guy on the outside for me that he hit the guy on the, on the in the middle of the track who then ran into Westfall. But who initiated that in the first place is is another is another factor which we which I, again I really didn't see because there was so much going on. 35 minutes on the clock. That has been held. This is the situation here at Watkins Glen International. The teams are re-preparing their cars. We are getting ready to go back to a restart here at Watkins Glen International. The irony is that although we had some rain, that's dried out. Track temperature is still 95 Fahrenheit. Once the, the, the clouds have cleared... Um, actually, that track temperature has gone up five Fahrenheit in the, the last few minutes whilst I've been talking. Uh, we'll give you a rundown once we get closer to knowing when the cars are going to roll of who is where and whether there will be any kind of reshuffling behind. It will be a safety car restart because it will be a rolling start to the line. But I can see from our lofty position on the top of the grandstand where we've been sheltering uh, in place, uh, that it is uh, that the cars are being uncovered down on the pit lane. There are two lines of cars, one in the absolute fast lane and one uh, one lane over from that, and all the cars are on the pit lane and uncovered at the moment. We've also got IMSA officials in the pit lane and we've got team personnel in the pit lane, and shortly we'll have Joe Bradley and Shea Adam in the pit lane. In fact, let's pick... Uh, uh, pick off Shea Adam in a, a moment or two's time. At, uh, at IMSA Radio, hashtag uh, uh, Michelin PRT for our post-race tech or uh, just uh, at IMSA Radio if you want to get in touch with us now. We'll go back to normal operation given that we think uh, that we are going to get some racing for you. Thanks for staying uh, with us. Hello to uh, sometimes Grouchy Guy, to Jerry uh, Sisk, to Andrew Pagan, to Miss and Henry. Uh, and to right turn lover, uh, the 
all staying with us. Nikolai B uh, saying, are there any FIA guidelines that the ASNs could would follow on this? Seems that uh, safety standards in other parts of the world haven't evolved since the 90s. Uh, the, 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 the stark fact here, guys, for all of you listening further afield than here at Watkins Glen, and we appreciate that we've got an international audience, I don't think... Uh, People back in Europe realise the severity of lightning and electrical storms here in the States. Uh, and there have been deaths caused by lightning at sporting events down through the years. The simple rule is if there's a lightning strike within, I think it's 20 miles. Uh, please don't quote me on that because I may be wrong. But with within a certain radius of the uh, sporting venue, then everything has to be suspended and everybody has to go back to shelter in place. The green flag has just been shown. It's not really a green flag, but it means that we are counting down. So the 35-minute clock has now started to the end of the race. We have a yellow flag over the start-finish line, and I hear the odd one or two engines have started. Yes, they've started. We've got cars rolling on the truck track at the moment. So, Jeremy Shaw, let's have a quick look. Uh, behind the safety car, we have got cars rolling with 34 and a half minutes to go. Let's have a quick look at how it stands. This is our VP Racing Fuel in-race update as we're ready to go back racing. On a dry track, with the cars coming out of Park Fermi, they will not have been allowed to change tyres. It is the number 60. Now, you can change the tyres. So, Tom Blonkfist has taken over the number 60. Philippe Albuquerque stays in the Konica Minolta number 10. So, it's Acura's first and second. The number 60 can go to the end. I don't think the number 10 can go to the end on fuel. It will be borderline for the 0-1 Cadillac. No, no, no. The 0-1-0-2 should be fine. They should be fine? Yep, okay, yep. thank you very much. That's Alec Lynn and... Still waiting for Olivier Pla to leave the pit lane. They were in just one lap before the number 60 car, the two uh, so Galassi Cadillacs. Olivier Pla is the last car on the line leaving the pit lane. He'll be in fifth. Right. Six will be Ally Cadillacs. Mike Rockefeller in the 48. Which is a lap down. And then one Pablo Montoya leads LMP2 from Fabian Scherer. That's Dragon Speed from High Class Racing, 81 from 20 from 29 Racing Team Netherlands. Maybe penalties coming for some of those cars. Let's see what happens uh, when that comes for the incident with the Lamborghini number 39. In LMP3, Philippe Fraga for Riley Motorsports leads for the number 74 uh, squad. Colin Brown in second is a lap off the lead there. And Gabby Chavez is 12 seconds, so he's in the line behind Colin in third position. In GTD Pro, Daniel Serra for Risi Competition leads Matt Jaminé and Kyle Kirkwood for Faf and Vasa Sullivan. And in GTD, Philip Ellis, who's the second GTD car in line, leads for Winwood Racing. Roman De Angelis is three cars further back. Check that, four cars further back. And Spencer Pumpelli has another car between himself and Roman De Angelis for Corvette Racing. Shea Adam is down in the pit lane where we have cleared the pit lane, Shea. We did, thankfully. Uh, the race cars which were parked here for that red flag period have now all vacated the lane. And we have drivers up on the wall. We have some cars that need to come in and do some pit stops because they might not have been able to make it on fuel, as Jeremy and you were talking about a few minutes ago. But it was going to be Olivier Plot at the end. Now it's going to be Pippo Durrani. He's going to be installed for this last little shootout. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're always going to make that change, to be perfectly honest. Cross the line and down to... 
And there's a wave around going on now, John, because, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so the cars that were in between the safety car and each of the class leaders can now go past the safety car and run around to the back of the lap. So that's what uh, is happening. And all happened rather around, suddenly, yeah. didn't it? Because we there wasn't really any warning that we were going to get cars on track it again. It went so from 10 minutes to 5 minutes really rather quickly. Yeah, and brilliant. the teams were uh, running around down there. Uh, down in the pit lane, Joe Bradley is uh, with us. Well, uh, I'm still blaming you for this, Joe, because <laughs> you, you stopped the WEC race twice at Sebring. Yeah, it seems to be my fault. Um, I need to stop coming then, don't I? Because um, it's it's really odd. It's totally blown, totally blown the weeds out of the GTD battle because now pretty much everybody can go the whole way. Whereas the worst teams relying upon the cars ahead of them stopping and then they would be able to leapfrog them. That's not going to happen anymore. Be honest, I, I think I think probably everybody did need to make one stop in GTD. Yeah. In any case, pits are open for the prototypes. Pits are open for the prototypes. Now, are we going to see then a splash of fuel for the number ten? They've, I think they've gone round. Shea Adam, what's the thinking down at the Conington Minolta Acura pit? The 20 high-class racing car did come in and do a little bit of service, but the 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac is the only of the DPIs to venture down the pit lane during this opportunity. Uh, we've also got racing for Netherlands. That was the car involved in that bump and grind. Uh, I suspect they did some damage to the back end of the car, and I think that's probably why they brought the high-class car in as well. Fabio Scherer is taking back out. He's now lost a position to PR1 Matheson Motorsport, and the 52, the wins car, has Scott Huffaker to take that car to the end. That was the pole sitting car. We know that is very quick indeed. Out goes the number 31. Still listed as Oliver Pla behind the wheel. No, now it's slipped flips over to people Durrani. So Whelan Engineering in fifth position. And we will now, we are counting down under 30 minutes now. Everybody is on dry tyres. Nobody's had to put wet tyres on because the, the track temperature is still up at 36 degrees. In fact, it's climbed back to 36 degrees. Track temperature dropped to around about 89, 90 Fahrenheit. It's climbed back up to 97 now. 77 percent in terms of humidity and uh, a pleasant 25 degrees in the air so long as you're not in a race car 29 minutes to go a sprint to the finish and well uh, uh, joe bradley has an update from racing team netherlands yeah it uh, came in the pits in third place it's had a rear deck replacement and damage repaired i'm not sure how much time that's going to cause them and whether they'll drop out of that third place yeah, that car's going to drop to fifth position as it leaves now. It won't go any further, I don't think. And where's Josh Pearson? Uh, I, I'm, I'll take that back when we come round. Pits are, have been open for the prototypes this time round. They'll open for GTs. They're presumably they'll open for GTs this time around. So we're not going to get running for at least another uh, three and a half or four minutes another lap there'll be one more at least one more lap of yellow flag and that's great news for Wayne Taylor and Conington Minolta I reckon they were 20 they were 20 minutes short of being able to do it on a pit on what on the the same pit stops of everybody else they would have needed an extra 20 minutes of fuel now they've been doing 40 minutes uh, in that car sometimes stretching it to 42 or 43 so if they can get down to somewhere near 20 minutes 
they might be able to get to the end, 23, 24 minutes. But it's, I still think it's going to be tight, and I don't think they can run full rich. And that's not a problem that Tom Blomqvist is going to have, Jeremy, because he's already been out. That car's only been out for a couple of laps before the red flag came out, and some of those were under yellow. So I think Blomqvist yeah. is full rich to the end from here. And basically, they've slapped around the young lad, called these family bad names, and uh, fed him raw meat before they put him into that one. He's just got to drive flat out. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, you know, the um, he he came into the pits and pretty much moments later, uh, the, the yellow came out and then red very soon after that. So he hasn't he has not done a racing lap in that number 60 car. So he should be absolutely no problem at all for him. Uh, and uh, number 10 car, yeah, I'm not quite sure. It, it'll be, th that's one that's going to be tight. The 31 car, you know, elected to come in and change the driver in any case because they were out of, they were out of contention totally. Uh, this has brought them back into contention, particularly if you put people Durrani in the car, which is what they've done. They didn't have to come in to change the driver. They could have changed the driver at the restart. Um, oh, could they? Yeah, you don't okay. have to put the same driver in after the red flag. Joe Bradley's just been. Uh, Joe Bradley's just been. Oh, do, yes, you do. Sorry, I'm talking complete nonsense. Because uh, Blomqvist was already in the car, Correct. wasn't he? Um, he'd already made that change. Sorry, yeah. Jeremy. That was uh, that was that's my error. Um, Joe Bradley, you've been watching some GT pit stops. Yeah, the number one, the number one in particular, the Paul Miller BMW. That car has come in. Madison Snow has stepped out of the car and handed the car over. And I'm not uh, really sure why that has to be. Is that in the regs that you have to start with the driver that uh, you finished with when the stoppage came? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Madison was in at the stoppage. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, he they have to put that driver back in. That was what I was just getting myself all mixed up about. Um, uh, he did take it back out. He restarted. Basically, he, he's basically he's restarted behind the safety car, and and then they've come in and they put Brian Sellers, bad foot and all, right foot. Well, all he's got to do is push that one all the way at the floor at this point, hasn't he, uh, for that car? And they'll be looking to get as far up the field as they can uh, to try. They're four. They were uh, went out in fourth position. Um, they'll be looking to get far up because they are looking for the Michelin Endurance Cup points as well. Uh, although they missed Daytona, so they're, they're going to uh, be a bit further out. DPI yeah. class split is happening now, and then we will go to green. We're going to have about just over 20 minutes to run. This is going to be an absolute flat-out blast, and I'm going to predict that the number 10 car will run out of fuel with a lap and a half to go. There you go. If they've got a race... Or they'll, or they'll splash before the end. Uh, we won't. We are not going. We are not going green this time Correct. around. This helps the number ten car. Share, Adam. Yeah. It was drive time. That's why Madison Snow had to get out and Brian Sellers had to get back in. It has been adjusted for the different classes. One hour and seventeen minute for the GT classes and LMP3 and LMP2. And for DPI, it's dropped down now. I think it was thirty-nine minutes minimum time. Answering Carol Brink's question on at IMSA Radio, how about drive time? So there we are, we have that answer. Still full course, yellow at the line, and I'm looking down there, Tani's still got the double yellows. So next time by, we should see the Cadillac safety car pull into the pit lane, giving everyone a chance to get their Michelin tyres up to pressure. Oh, into the pit lane for the number 81. This is the leader in LMP2. The leader in LMP2 
is in the pit lane. Shea Adam. This is unexpected. Uh, the team is up on the wall for this stop. They are doing fuel and a drive change. It is Sebastian Montoya who's going to be taking this car to the end. I wonder if maybe he hadn't gotten a minimum time yet. Juan Pablo Montoya walking out, walking over to the wall and pointing to his crew guys to say, yeah, I need to be on the other side of the wall, guys. And Aero Motorsport came in as well. That was Ryan Del uh, DL who came in in the number 18, the very nice blue car. But this is huge for LMP2. And this means that the car that started on pole position, that dropped down as low as, I think, sixth place at one stage but for the 52 PR1 Matheson, the wins car, is back in the lead of the race, but has Louis Delatraz in the Tower Motorsport. They've been there or thereabouts, right up his tailpipes. And then Fabio Scherer for high-class racing in the number 20, the red and white car, is right there as well. That's going to be a real dogfight in LMP2. It certainly is. I mean, some very talented drivers there as well. The young American, Scott Huffaker, he's going to have his work cut out here to maintain that lead. Uh, and I'm presuming that was a, a, a drive-time thing also for that number 81 car, JPM getting out and, and uh, the kid Montoya, the, the, the youngster getting back in again. We've seen how aggressive he has been already today. Uh, but uh, a nice chat with him this morning, really impressive young man, actually. Yes, he is. And um, he's going to be charging from there. Uh, the, the, he, the, we've got five cars on the lead lap then in, in P2. Got number eight, uh, 52, number 8, number 20 to 29, and the 81 at the tail of it. Uh, but uh, Montour, Sebastian's got to sort of hustle around now to uh, to take up his position. The lights are out on the uh, Cadillac safety car, so we should be going back to green this time around. It'll be about uh, just over 20 minutes remaining. It's Jeremy Shaw and John Heindorf in the booth. Another chance to get into the end of here without another caution. Sun's out. Sort of. Sun is out, and the track has dried. The major part of the track has dried. It's going to be just on 20 minutes to go, and maybe then, yeah. just maybe, that is enough for the number 10. Connington Minolta accurate to get a result maybe not at full speed got to watch the Cadillacs here they'll want to get a good start the two Acuras have jumped away straight away through the final corner where green flag racing with 21 minutes on the nose to go from the sale in six hours at the Glen for 2022 live on IMSA radio and IMSA TV thanks for staying with us through the weather hold down through turns one and two. All those curbs are going to be wet. That's where the slipperiness is going to be. This could be very interesting through the inner loop. First time around. Top three are broken away. Sebastian Bourdais in the 0-1 is looking for a victory. Hasn't really been on it this weekend. Not as much as he should do. Round the outside to the lead. There goes the number 10 car. That's a fabulous move by Felipe. And he's gone to the lead. That's exactly what happened at the very beginning of the race. That Correct. number 10 car has better straight line speed, it would appear, than the number 60. Got the draft, took advantage of it, and a very forceful move around the outside into the inner loop. Tom Blancfist, though, maybe just a little more downforce on that car. So will he be able to use that to his advantage in the next 20 minutes and 10 seconds? Really was a huge top speed advantage for the Conningham and Alter car. Oh, there was a little bit of a, a brush on the side of those two cars as he went through. Blomqvist pretty much held his line. But Albuquerque was not to be denied. 
Blomqvist, no, he slightly moved across to the left there, taking that back. And the curbs through there, and Ollie Jarvis, after two second places in a row, is disappointed up on the pit wall. 19 and a half minutes to go. Crossing the line now, and look at the gap as they go underneath us. That's going to be something close to three quarters of a second. Yes, it's seven tenths. Bordier can't live with this. On off for the Chetelar. Number 47, Ferrari, picked up one of the IMSA signs. Oh. And that's uh, great advertising for the series, but Antonio Fuoco will have to stop and get rid of that sign he has done at turn 10. And really, really thoughtful. That's absolutely ruined his uh, race, but he didn't leave it on the track. He just went wide, number of cars did at turn number eight. And uh, once again, the topsoil bags have been sacrificed uh, to the Shrine of Racing. Here comes the 81 car. This is a penalty for the Dragon Speed car. They're left on that pit stop to put Sebastian Montoya in the car with pit lane equipment. And the red light is on at the end of pit lane, so they can't go now, they can't. Just more frustration for the team, but that was their own, that was of their own making. They had a penalty. Pit lane light was red. Sheer Adam, we also had the Corvette down at that end of pit lane. The number three car, that was looking like a good run for those guys. Yep, fuel and tires on that car. It goes back out. It'll pick up the number seven on the side of it next time around. Oh dear. They had stealthed their way up, but they were on the wrong side of the fuel. So what was connected? still connected to the car pit equipment still connected that was the call didn't see it from right rear puncture for the corvette is what i'm hearing so not the fuel that was the problem for the number three car in the rough and tumble of the restart passably now that red right okay that penalty that penalty for the 81 Dragon Speed car was assessed from before the red flag went out. So that wasn't the pit stop that we just saw. That was one prior to the stoppage. And thank you to Alicia. Uh, Alicia up in uh, Charlotte for getting us that information. Thank you. And thanks to the whole team for excellent pictures again this weekend. 17 minutes on the nose. Albuquerque by eight-tenths of a second for Konica Minolda Acura. Tom Blomqvist in second by six-tenths to the first of the Cadillac. Sebastian Bordet working his way back to the two Acuras. Then another second back to Alex Lynn. Half a second to Pipo Tarani, who's starting to pick up pace now in the Wheel and Engineering, number 31, the red and white car. Great battle at the head of LMP2. Scott Huffaker for PR1 Matheson, three-quarters of a second Ahead in the 52 wins car of Louis Delatraz for Tower Motorsport in the black and tangerine car. Then high class racing the red and white car is another couple of seconds further back. Shera just trying to get back on terms in LMP3. Philippe Farage has laps in hand over Colin Brown, who's pulled out the one and a half seconds from Gabby Chavez. What a result for Andretti Autosport. They've been hit by everybody and hit everything, and they've had penalties. They've been in and out of the pit lane. More times than enough, and they're still in a position to stand on the podium here. GDD Pro, Risi Competizione are back, and the Ferrari 488 is leading. Got Winwood Racing and Philip Ellis right on their tail, but that's not a class battle. 
Philippe Fraga resets the fastest lap of the race in LMP3. Marvellous stuff. Right, Felipe, he doesn't need to be driving that fast. But he is stamping authority on LMP3 at the moment. And at the front of the field, is there a second win for Tom Blomqvist? He's closed down again. The incident be between a couple of the cars in the GT battle, which uh, was uh, a little bit earlier on, which was Magnus Racing and Chetelar, 44-47, under review. But at the front of the field, now, what are the fuel numbers saying for... Philippe Albuquerque, Tom Blomqvist goes to full rich, he's right there, coming out of turn number nine, and he's bringing Sebastian Bordier with him, and behind Bordier, Alex Lynn's not that far away either, the Cadillacs looking as good as they have done all weekend, onto the start finish straight, down the faster part of the circuit, there is no doubt that Jeremy Shaw has picked up on something here, because that Conica Minolta accurate is quicker in a straight line, but he does have to break just a little bit earlier. A little bit of water being thrown up from the curbs by Sebastian Bourdais as he's in pursuit of the two Acuras. Black and blue over the top. That's the leader. Pink and white, second position. Clear track ahead of them at the moment. Looking good, and this battle absolutely enthralling at the front of the field. Long delay, but it has been worth it. We've had just over 20 minutes as a sprint. That's what we were left with. No traffic for the leaders until the Chetilar Ferrari. That's the next car in line. He's just coming out of the into turn eight, rather, as the leaders are heading down to the braking area for turn seven. So they'll catch him in about half to three quarters of a lap. 14 minutes exactly on the clock. Uh, well, whatever happens with the contact for the number 44, they're going to have to come down the pit lane anyway because they didn't stop properly in their pit box. So that's Magnus Racing going to be dropping out of any fight that they're in at the moment. Last 13 and a half minutes. Down on the pit lane, Shea Adam and Joe Bradley. I know exactly what they're doing. They're looking at people very, very carefully to see who looks worried, who looks happy. Here's another lap completed. Another quick lap as well, 132.3. That's a couple of seconds away from what Philippe Albuquerque's car can do. 32.4 for Tom Blomqvist. The gap, four tenths of a second. Ollie Jarvis cannot watch on the pit lane, neither can Wayne Taylor. I still think this is tight on fuel for that 10 car. through the inner loop. Top three. Well, make that the top five are together now because people, Durrani in the red and white number 31 Cadillac, they're all pretty much extra, uh, pretty equidistant. Shea Adam, who's going to blink first at the run oh, of the flag? Baffer up on the wall with the fuel hose in hand. They're not coming in this time, but they are prepared to see the car before the end of this race. That's the oh. second place GTD Pro Car of Mathieu Jaminet. In the number nine, that would promote Mauro Engel up to second, and Carl Kirkwood up to third for WeatherTech and Vasa Sullivan. That WeatherTech car's been there or thereabouts all the way through this race, and now the leaders are in traffic. Here's the opportunity, maybe, with a little more fuel. The leaders are almost together, there's almost a touch, and here comes Bordet. Bordet knows he's in the fight here. 
Philippe Albuquerque in the leading car. Oh, big cutoff for second place as the Aston Martin chopped across the nose of the number 60. Nothing they could do. Round the outside of the Turner Motorsport BMW. This is a very good run indeed for the second place car. Tom Blomqvist may have a chance into the first corner. And the leader knew that and cut across to block. Bodies come through as well. Fourth place, Alex Lynn didn't quite clear all the traffic. And now there's a big line of GT cars. Here's the NTE Lamborghini. A lot of talk going on down in the pits for Wayne Taylor Racing for the Conic and Minolta team. They need every ounce of fuel that's still on board that car. Park Fermi conditions meant they couldn't add any and they didn't want to lose their track position. Remember, the 60 made its stop to try and get out back in front of this car. Oh, a little break. Test for the leader there as he had to go down the inside. This is the battle for the lead in GTD that they're coming through at the moment. Down the inside into turn seven. That's a brave manoeuvre from Philippe Albuquerque. He's driving out of his skin at the moment and so is Tom Blomqvist. It looks like a police chase through heavy morning traffic. And into the pit lane for Riley Motorsport. This is the GT, the LMP3 leader, Philippe Fraga in for a splash of fuel. He has a lap in hand, so he should be fine. He does have a lap in hand. Well remembered, Jeremy. Dial back the excitement a little bit. Side by side, is it for the lead? Not quite, into turn number 10. We've still got 10 and a half minutes to go. That's about eight laps, depending when they come to the line. And they come to the line right now. Racy Ferrari leading GT D Pro is the next car to go lap down and Bordier's right there. All of a sudden the Cadillacs come to life and Bordier's come to play. Takes a really wide turn and goes the other side of the Racy Ferrari. Maybe trying to catch the guys ahead of them out and sneak up on them. Top three together again, separated by two or three seconds. This is quality stuff. Debris at the track on turn on the track at turn seven. That's the tour of the boot. Jeremy. Yeah, in GTD, the battle's just going on there, isn't it? The number 79, Carmaro Engel, that WeatherTech Mercedes, he made up a position, got past the number 14 Lexus of Carl Kirkwood at the restart, but he's now lost out both to Kirkwood and to John Edwards behind him. So uh, the Ferrari still leads in GTD Pro. Jaminet is still in second place. Kirkwood now third. Uh, Edwards fourth and Engel fifth, all in a, in a train, and in between them all is Philip Ellis in the leading GTD car. Nine minutes to go, top three together. But there just seems to be a tiny advantage on the faster parts of the circuit to the leading car, Philippe Albuquerque. What's the fuel situation? He's not been saving any fuel, has he? Slow lap last time around through traffic, but that still uses fuel. Here comes Bordet. He's got the drag down the front straight this time. And Alex Lynn is catching the leading trio as well. It will be four cars. People to Riley's got nothing for these cars ahead of them. He's not been able to close. In fact, he's dropped back two and a half seconds. But the top four are coming together now. And they should have clear traffic, clear clear running now for at least two or three laps might even no, not quite enough I think to take to the end I think they'll catch the other uh, GTD cars again before the end the next car that they are going to catch 
is the number 81 LMP2 car, the Dragon Speed car. I think he's going fast enough to stay ahead of them, actually. Well, in which case, it will be the number 40 Fast MD LMP3 car that's next in line. So there aren't... There shouldn't be another knot of traffic, I don't think. I think they might uh, be able to get... It's all the, it's all the LMP3s yeah. if they're going to hit anything, yeah, Jeremy. And, and not a big knot of them, I just the old one here and there. Yeah. That LMP3 battle, Philippe Fraga's back out and he's got a 47 second lead, so they were making sure there was no issue there. Seven and a half minutes to go, and the pressure is on at the front of the field, and it's Tom Blomqvist who's feeling it at the moment from Sebastian Baudet. Alex Lynn just not able to tag onto the back of the Cadillac ahead of him. That's the two Cadillacs run by Chip Ganassi, who are third and fourth at the minute. And with just seven minutes to go, the laps are running out for these guys. Kudos to everybody who stayed and indeed come back to the grandstands, by the way. Must have been very tempting to pack your gear and head home. Thank you for not doing that, and I bet you please you have it now. This is quality stuff with the top four going through the first quarter. Leader in GTD Pro is the Ferrari, the Risi Ferrari, Daniel Serra. He stretched it out, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's taken about two seconds out of Phil Ellis in the Windward Racing Mercedes, but he's not fighting that car. It's two seconds further back to Mathieu Jaminet for Faf, and they're worried about fuel. That number nine car, Carl Kirkwood's another two seconds further back for Vassar Sullivan, and then six tenths back to John Edwards in GT, fourth in GTD Pro. And Faf desperately trying to chase these guys down. What a run it's been for Windward Racing, by the way. They've played the strategy perfectly. We will. We will do a quick Michelin PRT, Porsche Race Tech, hashtag Michelin PRT to Atimsa Radio. Stay on the air a little bit after the checkered flag to try and wind all this up. Hearing from Shea Adam of some cars that are lifting and coasting, she's at pit out to a perfectly sheer position to hear the guys who are lifting off. Exactly, that was no lift whatsoever from two of our LMP3 runners. But when the GT cars come by, you hear a real difference, particularly with the Risi Ferrari leading the way. The 57 Windward Mercedes lifts well before the breaking point. And then I think I've noticed it, well, I definitely noticed it from Faf, but I think I noticed it as well from the Lexus, the 14 of Kyle Kirkwood. Doesn't seem as if the 23 Heart of Racing Aston Martin is lifting at all, though. Couple of laps to go after the end of this one. And Felipe, Albuquerque, Albuquerque. Seemingly holding on to it. He's so committed into the bus stop. Loses a bit in the middle to Tom Blomqvist. Now has the Corvette to negotiate. That car lifts out of it. Nice driving there. Reese's in from the lead of GT Daytona. Four and three quarter minutes to go. And the 62 car, Daniel Surrey, is in the pit lane and he's already dropped off the podium. And Joe Bradley is there. Yeah, I'm just wondering how long this fuel holds. It can only be fuel. Let's go. Fuel holds is on now. Three, four, five, oh, six seconds, seven seconds, and the very more. Six seconds it said on the car there. That's how long it took. Oh, they've dropped out of contention. That leaves Matthew Jaminet for Faf Motorsports in the lead, but they're on the wall with the hose as well. And Mauro Engel struggling as well. He's uh, 
lost several positions in the last couple of laps in column 79. Colin Brown has just set the fastest lap of the LMP3 race. He's still trying to close down the 40 seconds on Philippe Fraga, who leads it in the 74. Riley Motorsports LMP3, that's the leading car. Still cars that are on the ragged edge here. And Tom Blomqvist gets held up at the top of the S's, and here comes Bordet. Blomqvist, how confident is he? Does he move across to the right? Yes, he does. That's a quick car into here, and he holds on to it, but that's allowed the leader. No, the leader's been held up. This is the problem. They're catching the GT3 and the, GT, uh, the LMP3 and the LMP2 cars. And that was the Andretti car that was passed by the leader. That car in with a shout in LMP3 in a podium position at the moment for Gabby Chavez. But the top four have gone by. And again, Blomqvist is right on the rear wing with three minutes exactly to go. Watkins Glen, sailing six hours from the Hagney Global Broadcast Centre around the US on Sirius 207. And Fafin from the lead, from the lead of GTT Pro and also Vasa Sullivan in. BMW back to the front. The pole sitting 25. BMW M Team RLL are back at the front of GTD Pro as they are falling. The fuel numbers don't lie. Now, what about the front of the field? This one and one more. There will be, in fact, this one and two more. It'll be white flag next time around. Five seconds for the Faf Porsche. Seven for the Porsche. There was a Mercedes in there as well. That got about seven seconds. White flag next time around. So this is real danger time for Felipe Albuquerque. But he's dealt with that little knot of traffic really well. Bordet doesn't get through. Driving penalty. Aggressive driving for car 59. That's the uh, McLaren. Oh, they hit the Paul Miller racing car, I'm hearing, uh, and caused them a puncture. Crucial Motorsports then will have to go through. It's a DNF for Paul Miller racing. 90 seconds on the clock. One more lap after this one. Through the toe of the boot. Well, Tom Blomqvist and Ollie Jarvis have been second a couple of times in a row. It's an unwanted three times in a row. Thank you, Jeremy. It's an unwanted hat-trick that they've got there. They had this race really well covered before the safety car and then the subsequent red flag. But Philippe Albuquerque has been unstoppable. White flag is in hand and waves at the start-finish line, just down to our left. More traffic. More GT traffic. Cetilla Ferrari right in front. Oh, really bad block by the Mercedes, the court of Mercedes on the second place car. And that's it. Albuquerque is gone. Pulled out 20 cars lengths. And in fact, Bordet is there now. Bordet is dragging up behind the second place car. Goes to the right hand side. Blomqvist trying to, to, to defend. Nose in front from the Cadillac but can't get through because there was GT cars ahead. And that slowed the leader up again. So there's still maybe one chance for Tom Blomqvist. He's got to go all the way around the outside of the outer loop. He does so. And still the leader can't pull away. 
I thought that was done and done for Philippe Albuquerque. He's cleared another car. That's the Dragon Speed car. Really needs to get out the way. Does do. Well done, Sebastian Montoya. One more chance, maybe. Down at turn eight. I don't think Blomqvist is going to be close enough unless there's a stumble from Wayne Taylor Racing. And indeed, it's Blomqvist that gets held up by the McLaren. Wayne Taylor Racing rolled the dice. They must have been tight on fuel. They must have been so tight on fuel. And they've gambled. We had the Tioga Downs Casino 120 yesterday, but this was putting it all on black and blue. And they have come up trumps in the sale in six hours of the Glen for 2022. The checkered flag, the VP Racing Fuels checkered flag is waved. And they go wild down at WTR. Shea Adam is joining the party. <laughs> you know it, John. This is a happy group of people. They've won three races so far this year. LMP2 coming to the line. It's very close indeed. Here comes the dash to the line. First and second, the wins cars takes it by a car's length. Absolutely extraordinary. Shea Adam with the overall winners. Going to jump in here with Wayne Taylor because this is victory for his team once again. Wayne, congratulations. How close on fuel? Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get back to the pits. <laughs> Someone might need to go rescue Philippe. Yeah, maybe. But we, we knew we had enough just to get to the end. Everybody was thinking that we didn't, but we were playing. Congratulations, Wayne. Augusta Farfus and Conor de Philippe. Guys, when did you actually start believing this was possible? Actually, a leper. You're not across the line. Oh, right, we'll just pause. Talk amongst yourselves, everybody. Whereabouts are you on track? Uh, I think sector two. Turn eight, yeah. It's, we are almost there. They have Hold not on. crossed the line yet. That's right, gonna we're not going to hex this, are we? That's uh, another, uh, another great fuel run from them to the line. The winners in. LMP3 is the 74, that is the Riley car. Philippe Fraga has held off a charging Colin Brown. He's just under 40 seconds behind. And now the BMW, Phil Ellis, coming to the line. And right behind him, the GT. Uh, in fact, the Phil Ellis was leading John Edwards last time around. And Philip Ellis has backed off. So it is BMW in GTD Pro. And it will be Winwood in GTD. Fantastic stuff. Now you can congratulate them, Joe Bradley. Now I can. They're congratulating. You know what? They're congratulating the, the pit wall. That's where these races are won. Guys, congratulations. Connor de Philippe and Augusta Farmers. I just want to ask the question, how close on fuel were you boys? I think we were safe. I mean, the way the race evolved was not looking so, so good for us. And then, and then we didn't expect everybody to be so short. So at the end it turned good for us. Uh, we had a great car, so we led a lot, big part of the race. So congrats to the team, let's celebrate. Connor de Philippe, you guys were really strong in qualifying and obviously it proves first across the, the line check and flag. You were very strong in the race also. Yeah, the car was great in the race. Uh, really, really happy for the RLL and BMW Motorsport crew. We did a fantastic effort today. Uh, had a couple of hiccups here and there, but in the end it all worked out in the right way. And uh, just really happy for the team that we finally got a result for them this year. Michael Jensen, winner at Watkins Glen. This is a familiar place for you to be, but LMP2, that was a close one. You had to be sweating a bit. Yeah, I was sweating the last 20 minutes. We didn't know if we could make it on fuel. Some of the cars pitted, uh, but we just thought we could make it. Scott did an awesome job. I mean, we didn't really have the car today, but as it cooled down, we got even faster. And uh, yeah, he did a flawless job in the traffic. And uh, 
it's uh, such a relief getting this one because we didn't lead at all this race. Congratulations, even better for the Michelin Endurance Cup. Thank you. Oh, what a finish, what a finish. And the championship leads Jeremy Short for the Konig and Minolta, Kadza, uh, Konig and Minolta Acura uh, with the VP racing fuel flag, the checkered flag into the, uh, into the victory circle. And that takes him to the lead in the overall championship. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because uh, it, it, that that uh, that was the difference between the two of them. Uh, there's uh, now a 17-point uh, edge. It will be in favour of number 10 over the number 60 with that win and 60 in second place again. Shea on her way to the LMP2 winners. Joe Bradley trying to get LMP3. We've still got to pick up uh, Winwood as well. For uh, sorry, uh, LMP3 and uh, Winwood. excuse me, we've just heard from LMP2. And Philippe Albuquerque, well, he's been in a good mood all weekend. His interviews have been superb. There's bits of the car that are hanging off, he doesn't care. It's the best-looking car he's seen, and they won it in the last 20 minutes. And he's got it back, and the emotion, and I'm sure the exhaustion, has taken over as well. He was in good form this morning when I talked to him uh, at breakfast and he's continued. He's brought the bacon home, certainly as far as the result is concerned. Joe Bradley is with the GTD winners. Winwood Racing with the AMG Mercedes 57. Well, that was tense. Um, I suppose you really couldn't start believing that until the, uh, until the checkered flag. It's been a bit of a quiet one. You've kind of snuck up on everyone. Yeah, I mean, we've had the pace. I mean, you know, we... we we, we knew we, it was going to be tight and, you know, we just kind of figured how many laps are going to be remaining and, you know, the leader, the overall leader was about five seconds behind us and if he had overtaken us, we would have had that lap and we would have had the overall win in GT Easy, but, um, you know, awesome to bring it home in P1. We've had such a difficult season so far and we've always had the pace, but we've never had the luck, so it, we got the luck back and, and, you know, hats off to all the guys. We got Mike, Mike, Mark, Joe. Maddie, all these all these beautiful people came together and, and built us a new car after after we crashed at Laguna and and you know now we're back on uh, on the top step so it just feels amazing. It's a Winwood family, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a big family. Thanks, man. Congratulations uh, to the Ward family. I'm sure Bryce, uh, that's the senior member of the family, the father of the family. He will be smiling somewhere. Well done. Uh, Shea, Adam, where are you now? I'm with the LMP3 winner, well Gar done. Robinson, two years in a row. What is it about this track that just seems to work well for you guys and Riley? Man, I just don't know. I mean, it's to be able to go, uh, I think with this team, we are officially undefeated at uh, Watson's Glen, so we're super excited. And I think, uh, I mean, we were just hungry for it. I mean, it's been the, pa the past two races have been just grueling for us, and especially with the Lamar, uh, the Lamar stuff. Uh, we were all just super hungry today, and uh, I think it uh, just transferred into uh, into a result today. So we're we're super excited, and uh, it's it's good to be back on track. I think that last pit stop was that just a bit of security for you guys, since you had such a buffer. We uh, we needed to know, or I mean, we didn't want to have to end up in emergency service, and uh, we 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 knew we had the uh, had the distance to to be able to do it. So. Uh, Sometimes it's best to stay safe and uh, and uh, finish first. So I mean, it's uh, uh, yeah. So we just uh, took the safe route, and I think it uh, paid off. 
Congrats, Gar. And I just want to dive in really quick with Kai Vambrillo because, Kai, this is a new experience for you, winning here at Watkins Glen. What does it feel like? Yeah, we've had a couple of tough races. Sebring wasn't an easy one, uh, especially coming from Daytona where everything went so well. But now coming here to Watkins Glen, we uh, we had a pace from the beginning onwards and we were able to, you know, maintain the lead, have a bit of a gap and uh, work from there. It's just uh, awesome to be part of such a great team and come away with a win here in Watkins Glen. Congratulations. Thank you. This guy's unbelievable. You're unbelievable. Nah, 2022 guy. keeps on going for Ben Keating. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, you know, I, I think we were fourth or uh, I think we were fourth going into the sixth leg. You would doubt you dropped down to sixth at we, one point. Yeah, for sure we dropped down to sixth uh, with the pit strategy that we were on. We ran for the three hour points which really got us all messed up uh, and then you know everybody was on a little bit different fuel strategy for how long they had to go to the pits uh, before they needed to come in for a splash of fuel and we weren't quite sure that we were going to make it with 35 minutes left and every time they kept coming by saying, we're not going to go green yet. We celebrated in the pits because it meant we might be able to make it. And, uh, man, Scott Huffaker just did an unbelievable job uh, uh, to stay in the front and lead. That last lap had traffic everywhere. Uh, 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 for sure, uh, I feel like we're blessed right now. Scott Huffaker is a superstar. Mikkel Jensen's a superstar. But this guy's a superstar, guys, isn't he? It's a good team. It is. <laughs> well done to those. All right, started on pole position and won the race. If you just look at the grid in the final uh, results, uh, nothing happened to lights to flag victory. Far from it there. And how close were things at the end? Roman DeAngelis did not get the second place GTD car home. That stopped on the slowing down lap. So they're not even back uh, into the paddock yet. Uh, let's round up the results and then Jeremy can give us uh, some of the points at the front of the field in DPI. Conington Minolta Acura win by eight tenths of a second from Shank Racing's number 60 uh, and take the championship lead, uh, uh, continue to lead the championship uh, lead, uh, take the championship lead rather, uh, away from Watkins Glen. Best of the Cadillacs with Sebastian Bourdais in the end there with Cadillac Racing number 01. That's the... the uh, car that's run by Chip Ganassi. Scott Hofeger and the rest of the team, including Ben Keating, won for PR1 Matheson Motorsport in LMP2, ahead of the number eight Tower Motorsport uh, Orica and third racing team Netherlands, even with that tail change at the end, and despite that bumping and boring that was going on between them and High Class Racing, who were fourth and took out the number 39 uh, Lamborghini, still in uh, third position. Philippe Fraga, uh, and Riley Motorsport ahead of Core Autosport and Andretti Autosport. What a different Andretti up, down, shaking about. They did the hokey cokey and came in third position in LMP3. In GTD Pro, BMW M Team RLL uh, win it for uh, the uh, 25 team there, single car ahead of Ross Gunn in second place for Heart of Racing team. And Daniel Surrey, even after that uh, late pit stop, because of the pit stops from Faf and Vasa Sullivan, uh, still got back to third position after leading on the red flag restart. Philip Ellis and Winwood Racing win GTD ahead of Heart of Racing in second. So two Heart of Racing cars uh, on the respective podiums in class. And Ollie Mil Mil Milroy and the rest of Inception Racing get a podium for McLaren, which I, be I believe, Jeremy, that's the first time we've had a McLaren uh, on the GTD uh, podium, is it? 
Uh, certainly a 720. We've not seen the 720 on the podium before. Park that one for the moment and give me some points, please. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start at the top of the shop. Right, in uh, DPI with that win, 23.99 points for number, car number 10. Uh, to the 23.82 for Oliver Jarvis and Tom Brumkis in car number 60. In third position uh, on 22.39, so 160 points behind is Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn. Uh, in anything else? Net, net carry on? Just, yep. Just pause for a second because we've got a chance, I think, to speak to Ollie Jarvis. Uh, fourth, second place in a row for those guys, and it was even closer today, but still second place, Joe. Yeah, but he's not happy. You'll never be happy with second, will you, Ollie? No, not when we dominated the race like that. Um, you know, we, we were in such a commanding position before the red. Um, you know, the 10 was off strategy, but they were sort of 10 laps short on fuel. So, you know, at the race, I know if some bats been five minutes longer, they'd have had the box. Um, this one hurts. You know, we, we've topped every session and, you know, just to miss out on the win. We're going to have to regroup. We've got one next week to put it right, but yeah. Not a, not a, I don't, I'm not happy and I haven't seen Tom. I, I can't imagine he's particularly happy either. Yeah, I mean, great. From, we're in the entertainment business and that was a fantastic race, but you know what? There's nothing else you guys could have done. You did everything right. From qualifying all week, you've been on the, on the button. Yeah, and you have to give credit to the 10, you know. Don't want to take anything away from the job they did. Um, you know, Felipe got the better of us on the restart, so congrats to them. It's a one-two for Acura, but I um, definitely feel like you know, this was our one to lose, um, the way the race was going up until the red. Were you running with a little bit less downforce to give you the pace on the straight? Uh, I don't know about downforce levels, but they looked like they were definitely quicker in the straight line, so. Sorry, I mean more downforce for you guys. So whether they're trimmed out, I'm not sure, because for sure they seem to be able to get a run on us and, and pass us. Whereas, you know, even when they got held up in traffic, we, we didn't have the straight line speed to, to pass them, so. You know, we need to analyse that. We had the, the quicker car, um, but, you know, it's not always about the quicker car, especially in IMSA. Maybe, maybe you need one that, you know, you can overtake with. Uh, let's uh, grab some more points from Jeremy before we go to Michelin Post Race Tech. We'll hand the P over, PA over as well for the formalities in just a second. Jeremy? Yeah, in uh, LMP2, the number... Uh, eight team, I think, uh, John Ferrano will take the lead in the drivers' uh, season-long championship, uh, and in the uh, in the teams' championship. Actually, no, in the teams' championship, number 52 will lead it. So John Ferrano leads the driver points. Number 52 team leads the team points in LMP2. Over in second place will be the number eight team in LMP3. You stop me when when you want to. In, in LMP3. The new points leader will be the number 54 team, which is uh, John Bennett and, uh, well, yeah, number 54 team, the core autosport team will take over the lead in in the team's championship NLP2, 1,011 to the 9.59 of Riley Motorsports, the winners today that were fifth in the points, now second. Sebastian Bordier with Joe Bradley, third for the Cadillac driver today. Seb, you could see them ahead of you. They were coming towards you all that time going to the flag. Yeah, I've seen the back of that 60 car a lot today, uh, but unfortunately nowhere past. You know, I, I got alongside a couple times, but he protected the inside and we never really had the speed of the 10 in the straights uh, to clear him like, like he did. So from there, it's kind of game over. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's been a frustrating day for sure. At the same time, we're, we're quite happy to be, you know, having done our job. 
uh, best of the Cadillacs, but you know we, we keep losing points in the championship, and that championship hope is kind of getting away uh, more and more. So it's a shame, but uh, we're not going to give up. We're just going to keep doing our thing and uh, hope for better days. Have you identified where the deficit is to the Acura? Well, there's 15 kilos in the BOP to begin with, and then uh, and then for sure there's top speed. Like even in the tour, we're really struggling to to pop out. And you you look at the 10 on the 60, you know, all of a sudden, when they get a tour, they get by. So yeah, there's and we are trimmed today. So there's not really much we can do, unfortunately. Thanks, Ed. Well, we're going to wrap up our race coverage, but stay tuned for post-race tech. The checkered flag was a few minutes ago. We'll restart the chat with Michelin post-race tech. Thank you to everybody who stayed. Thank you to everybody who made the TV so that we could see around the track, and particularly to Jeremy Shaw, Shea Adam, Joe Bradley, and our responsible adult, Eve Hewitt, as well as Tim, Will, and Curry over in London. And a big thanks to our colleagues in Charlotte, uh, led by... Keith D'Alessandro and Alyssa this weekend, uh, as well as our production staff there. Stay tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio. Michelin Post-Race Tech comes next. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.